Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Eat, Pray, Thought podcast. I am your host, Savoy Anthony Jefferson, better known as Bussy Anna LaBeja, a.k.a. Fat Bitch Bussy, a.k.a. The Essence of a Bussy, a.k.a. Your number one thought ally, a.k.a. This Bussy Don't Pop for Free. Um, unless I really like you, um, but I'm trying not to pop that anymore, even if I like you. Um, welcome to episode... <laughs> I'm working on this. Welcome to episode 320, entitled Phenomenal Bussy, that's me. Um, yes, that is a playoff, playoff of my Angelo Phenomenal Woman, because um, this is Phenomenal Bussy. Because um, many, many bottoms wonder where my secrets lie, even though I'm not built to fit a supermodel size. Um, anyways. <laughs> um, please. Y'all, I'm, y'all I'm extra ignorant today. Please. So, look at how I just be prepared. Please. La, 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 la. Um, okay. Anyways, um, I'm going to introduce the soon-to-be birthday girl. Oh, okay, Leo season. Leo season, bitch, in this bitch. Ass. That's how we feeling. That's why we so turn. Yes. My season is finally here. I feel good. I feel powerful. I feel like a lion. I feel sexy. I feel confident. Fiery. Shout out to Leo season. Savoy, don't look like that. You excited too. Your rising Leo is excited too. I'm a Leo. <gasps> Yay! And I've never met a Leo I didn't like. I really like Leos. I think y'all good people. How you doing, T? Hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, lovely. I, I cannot say the same. Okay, I, you know what? It's a love-hate love you know, relationship. I just. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this: Leo men are trash. And I'm talking to you. I can't even think of his name right now, but he shot Megan The Stallion. Tory Lanez. Yes, him. That you little. You know what? Leo men are trash, and Virgo men. Maybe those two signs just. I think because they come right. And Cancer is no 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 shade. I like, I mean, it depends on cancers. They're great friends. We're not going to do this. This is our guest. (laughs) We're not going to do this. Anyway, let's go back. (laughs) I said what I said. (laughs) And I meant it. Um, (laughs) Okay, but anyway, it's Leo season. They they go great dick based on my experience. Great sex. Never had it. Um... (laughs) We never got to that part with the cancer man. <laughs> I did. Mm. Mm. But but um, emotions are always good. So shout out to cancers and shout out to water signs. Um, but anyhow, Leo season is here. I am here. It's your girl, Amber, a.k.a. Emo Black Girl, a.k.a. Any Depressive, a.k.a. I, I'm, I don't know. Do a lot to your nose. I don't know Why these. Why do you forget your... We have been doing this for a very long time. <laughs> okay. Dual Oxitina Knowles, a.k.a. Oh. Uh, creative director of Depressed Ho Aesthetics, a.k.a. Yes. I think that's it. Hello, shit. I don't know. Like, that's all I think about right now. That's really... That's that's where my head goes. You know what? Flo These Millie. niggas weak, okay? That's all mm, I know. Mm, mm, say it again. <laughs> really all I know. Say it again for the niggas in the back that didn't hear you. <laughs> They're weak, okay? Weak. 
But hey, y'all, what's up? <laughs> Amber, who don't know her uh, AKAs ever. Okay, how y'all doing? But you know, consistency is key. <laughs> Come and... on. Now I'm a consistent bitch, okay? <laughs> oh. Oh. How are you um, doing this week? You know, the girl's still here. It's Monday. Um, let's see. What, did anything happen? Oh, I decided when I'm leaving New York. So when? September first. Woo! That's next. That's n- next month. Yeah. So <laughs> the bitch is gonna be out. Um. So I just gotta look at my lips. Ooh, they extra glossy. Um. I might have put too much on, but nonetheless. Um. So yeah. So I'm leaving September first and heading to Green Bay. So. Look, it's it's the summer at least, kind of. Uh, but you leave it forever? No, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm leaving for at least six to seven months. Okay. So we'll we'll see what happens after that. Well, How was good. your week, Amber? Our week was good. I went on my first COVID date, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so that was nice. It's awkward and weird because you're like oh i gotta take my mask off now because we're eating or like mm. this is who i am this is what i look like um okay. but we did like a facetime prior but he's okay. cool you know okay he's a cool dude did y'all go in brooklyn yes we did i i left bedsty uh, okay so <laughs> your girl your girl traveled <laughs> I want y'all to know that this means that Amber actually likes this man, that he has potential. Because <laughs> if Amber left her fucking neighborhood for a date in particular, she didn't send him to somewhere in Bed-Stuy. She, she didn't send him to across the street <laughs> and then show up late, because I have done that. I have done that, for sure. Um, <laughs> but yes, no. Uh, <laughs> I We went to... We were supposed to meet at, uh, at Sweet Chick in uh, Prospect Heights. So I went to Prospect Heights. So okay. it, it wasn't far, but, you know. That's, that's good enough. You, mm-hmm. Niggas don't deserve more than a few miles. Um, you, you're correct. You are correct. But he's, never, cool. he's cool. He's cool. Especially if they're a Virgo. Um, he's not. I don't do those either. But... Mm-hmm. Together. Uh he's an he's an Aries, so uh you know I I I I'm an I'm a Leo. I love them. They always trying to fight. I love them. <laughs> All right. And on that note, <laughs> they always trying to fight and I love them. Any else anything else you would like to tell the world <laughs> ever? Nah, just wear a mask, y'all. You know, stay y'all, have y'all ever wonder if Amber's a real bird? His statements <laughs> like they love the fight, and that's there. <laughs> if you're ever wondering, you're ever on the fence, I don't like think they ever thought. I don't even think they ever. You know what? Heard. Points were made. Points were made. Um, so now it's time to introduce our illustrious guest. I always like saying illustrious. That's a really good word. That and nonetheless. Um, Those are your two favorite words. Yeah, like it just they just feel like a none. You know I love a good none, but nonetheless. Um, anyways, this is why I'm single. Because uh, <laughs> I meanly thought about the mean things that would come after. But it's not about me. Um, today's illustrious guest is a writer, a speaker, an advocate, and inclusive media consultant. 
His work has been featured on CNN and BuzzFeed, among others, as well as as well as worked with such brands as HBO, Netflix, NBC News. And he even gave a TED talk. Please welcome the very attractive Teak Milan. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay! Pussy high, please open your legs. Welcome him. You know, them legs are already open. I already know yeah. it. <laughs> <sighs> I did get fucked in the forest last week, but we'll talk about that later. In the forest? Okay, yes. we can talk about that later, but... Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, Teak is a former Zaddy of the Week, of course. Oh, oh my God, we have never... That is true, we've never had... We've never had an actual Zaddy, Zaddy of, the of the Week. Yes! I'm on the show. I, wow. I, I, didn't even, I didn't even know that I had that honor. Yeah. Yes. Oh, wow. Come on, this is why Amber's. This is why. This is why she's. This is why she's award winning. Okay. <laughs> um, Teak, what would you like to say to the Bussy Hive? Is there anything you want them to know? Any little known facts? Um, you know what you ate for lunch today? It's really up to you. That's it. Any little known facts? I don't know. What did I have for lunch today? I had some um, barbecue seitan and some brown rice. Pretty boring. Um, I just asked my roommate to pour me a glass of champagne and bring it to me because that's how I am. So I can get into this. Um, but other than that, shit, you know, whatever. I'm at Bedside too. Might be neighbors. Yay! Uh, yeah. Right by the right by Utica Station. Oh, um, dope. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So that's yeah, I'm just I'm just looking forward to getting into this conversation with y'all. Um, what do you say, bitch? I ain't open it. I can't stand it. Uh, it's my roommate. Um, I'm just looking forward to getting into this conversation with y'all and see what we what we're talking about. Okay. All right. Um, as always, we start the podcast with Bussy Pep Talks, which is one reason why Amber, myself, and the guests are proud of ourselves for the week. Um, I can start first. Um, I'm proud of myself this week because I think for me, I am finally coming into the acceptance of my impending reset, as I would like to call it. Um, so I'm finally like, okay, I can do this. It's not going to be this bad. I can leave New York and be okay. Even if I'm really going to miss seeing niggas walk down the street. Um, because niggas don't walk down, fine niggas don't walk down the street in Green Bay. Um, they be walking, but they be ugly. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, unless they're Packer players, and then they still be ugly too, but they got money, so that makes them cute. Um, but, <laughs> oh, so maybe I can fuck a Packer player. That's going to be a goal. You know what? Work towards I'm that. A- Yes, I never thought about that. I got, I am like right in the uh, 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 NFL dick ground. And they ain't got nothing to do right now. Ooh, yes. This bus is about to be served on a platter. I'm about to give me, <laughs> girl, boy, this bussy talk, Gucci, Prada, Chanel. <laughs> Why they say again? That, that's the part that killed me. That's the part that killed me when they say again. I said, we international. We for real international. I love them. Um, but that's good. That's good. I'm glad that you are coming to terms with that and you're going to Green Bay. That's exciting. Ooh. All right, Amber, what's your pussy pep talk? Um, 
I am proud of myself for, I have been like not taking my meds like every single day. Uh, and so uh, I took them all every single day last week. <laughs> That's really what I'm happy about. Okay. Um, and that was really simple, but last week was really busy with work. And, and so I took them every single day and I was like, wow, like my anxiety is kind of managed. Wow. <laughs> okay. Take meds every day. Good to know. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but that was nice. So I am proud of myself for, for that. Is there a reason why you weren't, you had stuff, was it just forgetting? Forgetting, and then I'm like, it's really just be forgetting. So I like put a, an alarm on, mm -hmm. and luckily like I have medication as to where, cause there's certain medication, you guys should always take your meds. There's certain medication where like, if you miss a day and it's not at the time that you do it, you have like physical reactions to it, uh, which I have had in the past, but I don't take those types of meds. So like I take meds where like I could go like three days until I feel a reaction or something. And so I'm trying not to do that, but I just literally forget. So I just had, now I just put a, uh, an alarm on. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And then also the more like, you know, if you're like sad or something or you just don't take care of yourself. You know, that far. Mm. you forget certain things, you forget to do certain things. And like, so it's just like trying to keep me like accountable to my mental health, though, that alarm clock. So I'm, I'm happy about that. That's what I'm proud of myself for. Well, bitch, your skin glowing. So you're doing something right. <laughs> you know, my skin. Girl, that, <laughs> girl, that pussy talk Gucci, Fendi, Chanel. <laughs> It's talk Le Mer for all my people who know what that is. Ooh, it's so fancy skin. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> uh, teak. <laughs> what are you proud of yourself for this week? What am I proud of myself this week? Um, so I recently went plant-based diet a few months ago, and I've been really sticking to it. Um, plant-based, like I, you know, I'm still having cheese and eggs. I was going vegan for a minute, but I've been doing that. That's been really helping me, um, like get through this COVID. I think I had a lot of anxiety around it and some depression. I was in a relationship, broke up, this big whole thing. And just trying to get through like the uncertainty of every day. So like placing these restrictions on my diet and trying to work out and just every day, just trying to do something structured is keeping me like looking forward and not just spiraling into this place like you know but this is just a slow crawl to the apocalypse where i'm gonna die because i get to that place so like i gotta just every day i gotta stay busy um do my thing so i'm proud of myself doing it every day really just doing something even if it's just the littlest thing a setting out to do something and doing it um just so i can get to the next day so that's been Ooh. that's been working that's been one day that. at a time one day at a time that's it sometimes it's not even that sometimes it's like just hour by hour you know what i'm saying like i ain't, i ain't got tomorrow i just got i got to five o'clock <laughs> you know what i'm saying so um so that's been good and we know what you're saying very much so okay i get it i get it shit is hard right now the fuck is going on um and then you know um talking to my daughter consistently it's been really good, uh, you know. I, you know, I'm not allowed a lot of time to talk to her, but I've been showing up um, and just being really patient with with my ex-wife around all the complications that we have, and just putting my daughter's needs first. Um, 
is an accomplishment because it's it's not it's hard. Divorce is hard. Yeah. The baby's getting big. Aww. How old is she? She's two and a half. Come on, two and a half. She's two and a half, and she's running, and she loves animals, and she loves to run, and she loves pushing her little baby stroller. You know, and so it's bigger than her, so she's holding it like this, and she's running around. You know, I haven't seen her in person since February because of COVID. I was seeing her once a month, and I haven't seen her since February, so now I'm asking the courts and the border to let me come for a whole month, and I'll quarantine for two weeks, and then spend a whole two weeks with her, and then come back. So... Ask the border, ask the courts. So hopefully they give me the go ahead and I'm gonna just pack my shit and go up in Canada and see my baby. Come on. Hope so too. Shout out to Canada. Six guys. Shout out to Toronto. Yeah. Shout out to free healthcare. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, shout out to free healthcare. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about that. I should have got my residency up there when I had the chance. But here I am. Whatever. Look, this pussy also talk free health care, okay? okay. <laughs> Prada Gucci Chanel free health care, okay? <laughs> don't nothing but don't nothing but a, a doctor a, a, a doctor bill that says zero. <laughs> Make this pussy talk, okay? Uh, oh. uh. so silly. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for myself. Okay, all right. So we're just gonna jump right into it, Teak. Um, we, for those of you who may be new to the podcast, we go in order, eat, pray, thought. Um, I'm not gonna tell y'all again. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. I will. I will tell y'all again. Um, but mainly on the next episode. Um, so <laughs> for eat, our first question is: What was your favorite meal? What was your favorite meal growing up? Wow. Oh, I can't read today. <laughs> what was my favorite meal growing up? I had a few. I remember as a kid uh, on the weekends when my daddy would get me on the weekends, he would get me and he would just like drop me off at my grandma's house. And uh, I would go to my granny's house. <laughs> I'd go to my granny's house and on Fridays she would always fry fish. So she would fry fish and she would make like this creamy like coconut rice and a really nice salad and we would all be over there. Me and all my cousins. And it wasn't like the fish fillet. It was like fish with bones in it. And it was like, you better not choke, you know? And me and my cousins just sit there and just picking through this fish and eating the rice. And it's, it's, it's a memory that I think of because it, it was when we were all, you know, like out of all of my cousins, three of them had passed away, two died violently. We were all around the same age. So it was a time where we were just like innocent and all together before, you know, just before the streets got some of us, before trauma got some of us, you know, when el- el- the elders were still alive and the whole house, it was a, two-family house so it was like my granny was downstairs a couple of her sisters and my uncle lived upstairs and it was just we were just running up and down the stairs back and forth and it was just always so much fun it was every friday we had that fish fry um and that was a memory that sticks out so i think it's more about the memory less about the food i mean the food was delicious yes but um just the, oh you better be clear about that yeah you know, i mean the food was good but then threw the fuck down okay god rest his soul we didn't go down you know but um just me and my cousins just being together and my aunties and everybody and they, you know, drinking their little wine. And it was nice. It was a really, really nice time in my, in my childhood. So I remember that. That's really beautiful. The reason why I asked is because I was looking through your, um, your Twitter and you used to make beefaroni with melted cheese and hot sauce. Yeah, so that was a high what, is, what is this? <laughs> Let me tell you. What is that? used to be a bomb. I'll come home from school. Come over basketball practice. My mom would be at work, and she would just have some some beefaroni. I put that bitch in a 
in a microwave with a slice of uh, that sliced craft cheese that ain't really cheese. It's just like cheese flavored plastic. Yeah. Put that on there, melt it, and then put some hot sauce on it. What? I'll eat two bowls of that. That shit was good. I tried it as an adult and I almost died. Yeah, that sounds like something that you're going to die from. I was like, oh, it's going to come out of everywhere. I can't eat this no more. <laughs> but when I was 15 to 16, I used to fuck it up. That was a meal. That was an after school little struggle meal. Mom was like, don't touch the stove and don't be hungry when I get home. <laughs> so, beefaroni with melted cheese, it is. <laughs> and don't forget the hot sauce. Please. And don't forget the hot sauce. The red hot hot sauce, too. Mm, come on. Jake, mm-hmm. where are you originally from? Buffalo. Okay. okay. I've been in New York City for 17 years. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, you're a New Yorker at this point. Yeah, New Yorker. Um, what's your favorite meal to cook with you for your family? My favorite meal to cook for my family. Uh, so right now, my household consists of my roommate and his girlfriend. Um, and now that I've gone plant-based and they're not, it's sometimes it's hard to cook for them. But one thing that I enjoy cooking is I make this um, uh, coconut curry chickpeas with sweet potatoes and tofu. And simmer it up for a long time, get it real tender, and put it over some white rice and a nice salad. It's the bomb. And then the next day is even better. So that's one of my favorite things to cook. It's really easy. It tastes really good. And it lasts a long, long time. Coconut curry, chickpeas. Your new name for the podcast is going to be, um, your nickname is going to be Plant-Based Daddy. Um, Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) What's the best meal to get the itis from? Ooh, the best meal to get the itis from? A good old Thanksgiving meal. You know, I think sometimes Thanksgiving meal gets some some cornbread and some mac and cheese and some greens and before when I was eating meat some, some greens with a nice piece of the ham hock in it a piece of turkey there right and that dry ass turkey that you gotta put a whole bunch of gravy all over <laughs> that should do it that should do it to you or a good pot of spaghetti so I don't make spaghetti now but I make it with vegan meat I do it with vegan meat but I still use like regular cheese that knocked me out mm. I some carbs give me all the carbs what, what what exactly is vegan meat? I just gotta ask. What what does that consist of? You know, sometimes I don't even know. But okay, all right. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. I just wanted to know what vegan meat was. I was like, I was like, wait. Is- what they make that beyond meat out of? They make it out of like pea protein or something else. But shit is good. Okay. And then like seitan is made out of like wheat gluten, so it's a. You separate the gluten from the from the weed, and you do a thing with it. I don't know, but if you season it up right and you know how to cook it, it's pretty good. So I eat a lot of that. Um, sorry. Um, what's the snack that you hate? What's a snack that I hate? I hate anything that's cinnamon flavor. Mm. Nasty little red hot candies and little cinnamon balls. Ugh! Throw it in the garbage. How do you feel about cinnamon toast crunch? Okay, well now that. <laughs> okay, I just, I just wanted to I just wanted to know because I was like these candies that's fine. I just wanted to be Mm-mm. where you draw. Do you draw? After a nice fat joint is the bowl, like three bowls of that. Okay, and then the milk afterwards. Mm-hmm. So good cinnamon toast crunch, but that that's that spicy cinnamon flavor. I don't really I don't like these with marshmallows in it. I don't like licorice, black mm-hmm. licorice. Who even does that? Like I don't like the shit that people don't like, you know, peeps. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? like the nasty shit. I just so when you said who does black licorice, all I could think was 
poor unfortunate soul. <laughs> like that's what came to my mind. Like a poor unfortunate soul. Oh, okay. Like I was like Ursula. What's wrong with your, what's wrong with your taste buds? Did you actually enjoying that nasty shit? No, ma'am. No, sir. I don't dislike. I don't hate peeps. Like I wouldn't eat one, but I don't think. I don't. I don't. I just don't like the. I don't. It's not the taste as much as it is the. The texture. The texture. Yes. Yeah. I'm very like, weird. I don't like marshmallows. I don't like cotton candy. <laughs> like all that. I. Don't, I really don't like cotton candy. You that's don't it. like cotton candy. I, I that's that's Wow. That's mm. fucking trash. You think you know a person. That's <laughs> what <laughs> you think you know somebody. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Been knowing you since June of 2008. Didn't, didn't know that you did not like cotton candy. It really be your own people. I promise. I <laughs> 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 think what's a restaurant do you wish people would stop supporting slash eating at? What's a restaurant I wish people would stop supporting slash eating at? Yeah. You know what? I really wish people would stop supporting these little dirty ass little Chinese restaurants in the hood. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I wasn't ready. <laughs> stop giving them your fucking money. These Kennedy Fried Chicken places. Stop giving these people your money. That's not real food. It's so. It's not good. And they don't care about us in this community. If you're going to, if you want some really good Chinese food, some really good Asian food, go to an actual like Chinese restaurant. But these niggas and they all got the same. They all got the same pictures. Every one of these places got the same pictures from like 1978. Some nasty ass chicken and broccoli, and they're gonna serve you some half cooked chicken. It'll be fucking rude. They're gonna have all that bulletproof glass. They don't love you. Ain't no love in that food. You know what I'm saying? I'm being real. People prepare, prepare food and not preparing it because they want to satisfy their customers, because they want to like showcase their cuisine, because it's something they're passionate about. They just hear that they can make money, just get this black gold of how we just, you know, we just strip our communities of money. That's all they hear doing. So there's no love in that food. You know what I'm saying? So stop supporting. Them. Fuck it. Stop supporting. Them. Go someplace else. But all yeah, shut all that shit down. Wow. There's no love in that food. That's a word. It's not. That is a word. There ain't no love in that food. Mm. You know what? I was about to say something, but I'm going to move forward. Um, That's not important. (laughs) Did y'all see that video of somebody? But did y'all see that video of um, this lady? It was like a Vice UK thing, and she has been eating. She's been mixing semen into like all her drinks no, and food. Okay. Rubbing on her face, that one? Yes, yes, yes. Oh. She, rubs it on, she rubs it on her face, but then she like... her skin? Yes! It tightens pores? She rubbing... Like, she literally oh. is like rubbing it in her skin, like circular motion. It does have like a serum effect, like a serum like feel to it. It does. It does. So, does Especially it? The cum that she was using, at least. It looked very serum Right, to, me, never, to me, it feels like a serum, you know. <laughs> I've never touched. I've never touched cum that came out of a penis. Really? You ain't missing nothing. That's um, true. It's kind of like it's not, but like a lot, like a, <laughs> but like a little thinner. Huh? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> it's not thinner. It just really depends on diet. That's true. That is true. Depends diet. on how mm. Come out thicker. Yeah, if 
I've had situations where a person who didn't have a good diet and his was thicker and it was like. Mm. It's nasty. It doesn't taste good. Yeah. It's always, it's like. But there's like, it don't, none of it tastes good, but like depending on how bad your diet, it makes it taste worse. Mm. It's like I had to do, I literally couldn't swallow his. I was like, I swallow, and I swallow pretty much everybody. <laughs> And I was like, you know what? Um, like, had it in my mouth and was, like, debating for two seconds. Like, should I swallow it? Should I not swallow it? And my mouth was like, if you don't get this shit out my mouth, like, if you don't get this out our taste buds, so I just spit it out. Interesting. Yeah. That's my life. Pineapples. Yeah. Fruit. Fruit, yeah. Fruit. Drink a lot of water. Like water. Good for you. Yeah. So this lady was putting semen in her drink. Ooh, and yeah, she literally put semen. So she literally got a fresh sample, <laughs> and because somebody dropped it off at her door, okay, and she poured it into the smoothie, and she had a cum smoothie. Okay, what does she say are the benefits of cum? Like she said that basically it's helped her. Well, basically, the the premise of the article is that it helps. It helps her. It's she feels it helps her warrant like um. Uh, basically, it's been helping her not catch COVID, but in general, she's been doing it for twelve Girl. years. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. But in general, she's been doing it for I think like twelve years or something like that. So she was saying, in general, she hasn't really gotten any cold. She's been really quite healthy. She also was a bodybuilder, so I don't know how much that had to do with it. She but says, she's... "Cum supports your immune system." Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. no, and that's why no. she has not gotten sick nor caught. That's COVID. She just a freak. What's her music? She she probably eat healthy and drink lots of water, but she just want to rub cum on her face. <laughs> no, she's she was like no, like like she was like built. So like I was like, you're not factoring that in, but right. okay, okay. Um, <laughs> but all you know, props to her. I'm not putting cum in my um smoothie. Um, I might rub it on my face like a serum though. I mean, I do that for fun, so that's a little different. So. I haven't in a long time. R.I.P. Okay. Uh <laughs> Wish I could say the same. <laughs> um, okay, so, Teague, do you microwave or heat your food up on the stove? On the stove. Okay. I don't use a microwave. We have a microwave here. Um, any other apartment, I've never had a microwave. I think it kills the nutrients in your food. I don't want to do that. I think every I think I've used this microwave a couple of times and I just came in the house like stumbling drunk and I was like, oh leftover fries. Oh, um but typically I don't microwave my food at all. Yeah. I okay. microwave only if I'm like starving and I want it really quickly. Mm -hmm. But so, then other times I like stovetop or whatever. Yeah, no, I you know, I'll wait if it you know, take three minutes in the you know, and then and then that is so make sense to me. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a whole frozen meal here and you telling me this shit won't be ready two minutes? Like, <laughs> maybe put my shit in the oven or just on a skillet or something. Then I'll just take that extra eight to ten minutes and do my shit. But and then I always come out like it make your food real soggy, like it, like mess up the texture of the food. It makes all the food one texture, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'd rather not. So I don't use a microwave. You're right. You're right. But when I hear two minutes, I'm like, oh yes, because I'm hungry. 
Fuck all the nutrients, girl. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't have patience to, to, to cook anything on the stove top. Like, mm, I'm fine. <laughs> this, this microwave, I add a little water to it sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Like, like the steam in it or something? Yeah, that adds a little steam. Like, mainly like your rice dishes, <laughs> um, your fries, add a little water. It does something. <laughs> the <Yeah>. way <laughs> y'all ain't can't see, see to me. <laughs> but it's like I'm like Salt Bay right now. You <laughs> sprinkle a little bit on there, like <laughs> yes. And then I'm telling you, it, it'll change. Y'all, that's probably why y'all ain't been using the microwave as much because y'all ain't been using the sprinkle of water. Now I'm about to change y'all life. Well, sprinkle, <laughs> I might try it. Just, just look. 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 Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> So, what's your favorite meal that you can only get in Toronto? I don't know if I can think of a favorite meal, but in Toronto, they do poutine a lot. Mm. Um, so, so, poutine is French fries covered in gravy, and then they put, like, fresh cheese curds on it, like, fresh, like, mozzarella cheese on it. Mm-hmm. That's really good. That's a Toronto staple. And they have, there's a restaurant there that does all kinds of different poutines. You just get, this is a better fries. You get, like, taco poutine. You can get this kind of poutine, whatever. So that's really good. And then there's this restaurant up there that I should go this to. This makes so much sense now when I think about Drake. But keep going. I'm sorry. Okay. I, but I want, I want to hear that connection in a minute. So let's get back to that. Um, <laughs> so there's a restaurant in, in Toronto, a chain restaurant called Fresh. It's a vegan restaurant. Um, and their food is really good. Everything on that menu is really good. I usually get the um, the buffalo uh, cauliflower, fried cauliflower, and a side of poutine. And they do like a vegan cheese, which tastes just like like the real thing. So poutine is a is a is a Toronto Canadian staple. Check it out. So the connection between poutine and Drake that just feels very corny, like Drake, like the idea of like fries with gravy, gravy, gravy and then <laughs> mozzarella cheese. Like it just feels very corny. It's so um, good though. Put a little salt and pepper on that bad boy, and, be, and had a few cocktails, and it's like one in the morning. But that also, you were just talking about salginess from the microwave. So the idea of like gravy, gravy on top of mm, it sounds like something that should be good. Just like that's what I think a relationship with Drake is like. Like you know something what? you think is going to be a good relationship, but then it turns out that it gives you indigestion. It just turns into soggy fries. Yeah, I do. Shout out to Drake, Six God. Um, I'm just saying that's that's that was the connection I made. <laughs> Corny ass Drake food. It just feels like that's um 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 what how has your relationship with food changed over the years um i think over the years i just turned 40 last uh 10 days ago two weeks ago just made it 40 um and i think over the last probably over the last 10 years i've just been more conscious of what i eat um just because i'm getting older you know we're going to be older way longer than we're going to be younger so which means that we have to be more conscious of what we put in our body and how we move in the world right so more conscious of our decisions and one of those decisions has to be what we eat because what we eat is what fuels our body so i think my relationship to food has been less about like pleasure, even though I do eat for pleasure, but it's been more so like looking like what can I eat that's going to help me with like the chronic pain that I have in my body. It's going to give me the energy to get through this work day. It's going to help me like, you know, maintain a semblance of youth so that I can like run around with my, with my baby girl as she gets older. So I'm always making a connection between my food 
in my health, you know? So it's less just about like shoveling anything into my face um, and have more restrictions on my diets. I really don't do fast food or like uh, all like that. Um, really don't drink a lot of sugary drinks and sodas like that um, because it's having a different effect on my body now as I've gotten older, you know? And the thing is, and that's a hard place to like, like to like get to and like accept when you like eat certain shit, like, you have a soda and I'm like, oh, all this sugar, bitch, I can't even fucking function no more. You know what I'm saying? And just and to say like, yo, this is what it means to get older. It means being more conscious of the steps that you take in your life. So that's been the effect of me, but it's been it's been dope though. Like because what it's allowed me to do is learn about different foods and learn about like different like lifestyles and, and you know dipping in and out. Like so right now I'm doing the vegetarian vegan thing. I've done it before. Who's to say that I'm gonna be doing this in a few weeks or in a few months? I think I I think I might be vegetarian, like I think I'm done with the meat, you know, but um but just being intentional about learning about different things, how it affects your body. So I know like for me, having a meatless plant-based diet works really well for my body. It does not work well for everybody, you know, but it has to get to the point where you start to ask yourself those questions. Like, I'm not just going to shovel anything into my face. What works good for my body? What makes me feel good? You know, which, which is good for my digestive system, what gives me energy. So I think my relationship with food has just gotten really more conscious and more intentional, which has been a good thing. We love an intentional eater. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do nothing, do nothing without attention. No. Salon said it. Um, what's a restaurant you miss going to on the inside? Like, you actually miss going inside? Oh, um, there's a spot uh, in Union Square here in New York City called Banju. It, it's a Korean barbecue. You know what I'm talking about? The yes, Korean I love Banju. Oh, I love that place. And I'm the type, I go out to eat by myself. Like, I know people that think that shit is so fucking weird. But I'll do it all the time. But I'm, you know, I'm an introvert. I like being by myself. I like my alone time. I spend a lot of time by myself. So there'll be times where, you know, I'm on lunch or if I'm just in the city, like, doing my thing, I'll go to Banju. My phone is fully charged. Pop my ear pods in. You know, maybe I watch a little something and go to the upstairs part where they have the Korean barbecue part where you just mm -hmm. eat all you can eat and go to town. And they give you all your little, you get your lettuce cups and your little radishes. And if you want some meat, so you want some fucking mushrooms, whatever the fuck, have a couple cocktails, baby. That's be my jam. I miss it so much. I was probably there twice a week. Oh, wow. That was my That's spot. Okay. Because I work, I work, my, my job is right over there. Okay. So, I was always going there, but I was I missed that place a lot. But speaking of spots that you that you know, you got you like you were saying, you got understand what f certain foods do to your bodies. Mm -hmm. That gives me a lot of um, heartburn every time. It's really oh, good. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, let me be clear. I still go, but I know that you know you just got to be prepared for a lot of bourbon. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Yeah, it's fine. And it's not for me. It's not a problem. For others, maybe. Maybe. All right. Um, all right. So we gonna go into pray. We start praying the same way every time. What is your passion? Oh, what is my passion? Um, I guess I think maybe I have a passion for justice, and I think I have a passion for what's right. I think I have a passion for like my people. When I say like my people, I mean like LGBT people trans folks, black LGBT people, because this is what I really believe. It's a part of the book that I'm working on now is I really believe that the journey of being a queer identified person or a trans person is a blueprint for a better future. And I mean, a blueprint for a better future in that I think there's a lot of cisgender heterosexual folks that can take cues from this journey in self-determination. 
right? So we put a lot of emphasis on our gender and on our sexuality and how we're supposed to be in our gender and how we're supposed to fuck and how we're supposed to desire and all of these things. But what if we take all of that, what you're supposed to be away and just be who you are? And I think that as queer and trans people, that is what we've done. We said, you know, yeah, we're going to get discriminated against and we're getting killed in the streets and people are losing their families and, you know, can't go to their churches and all these things are happening to queer and trans people. But we're still doing that because the freedom to be yourself means more than anything else. And I think that that's a blueprint that other people can work from because trans people and queer people, we're not the only ones that are having an experience in our gender and sexuality. So are cisgender people, so are heterosexual people, right? And, I, and for me, you know, I think that cisgender, heterosexual culture and sexuality is boring and it's limited because they don't have the self-determination. So I'm really passionate about really just living in my authenticity as a queer trans man and, and, and giving this message to people and talking about it and writing about it. Because the thing is that I want all of us to be free when it comes to black folks, right? So being free in our blackness, being free in our gendered bodies, being free in our desire and our sexuality. And I think once we do that, we'll be so much better for ourselves and for, like, for, and for our community and for the people that we love. So I think that that's my, my passion, self-determination. Mm-hmm. I want that answer. Um, so what has fatherhood taught you? What has fatherhood has taught me? What has fatherhood taught me? A lot of patience. You know, like right now, you know, I'm divorced and my, my ex-wife and my daughter are still in Toronto. And I'm here in New York City, um, which has been really, really hard. Um, but when my baby was little and I was there with her every day, uh, it was just so much patience that I had to like call into myself. Uh, fatherhood has taught me that you don't know what tired really is until you have a child. You know what I'm saying? Because this baby, she would just, you know, me and Kim would get two, three hours of sleep a night and then have four days and still have to show up for her. And I think fatherhood has really taught me like what unconditional love looks like. You know, I know that my, I know that my, my parents love me unconditionally. And so, you know, receiving that from them is one thing, but being on the end as a parent, um, and, and that unconditional love, you know, it's, it's taught me it's scary because when you love somebody that hard, like I love my baby so much, I will burn down this whole fucking world for my kid. You know what I'm saying? Like there's nothing in this world I would not do for my child. And if something ever happened to her, if she was ever hurt, there's a way that I couldn't show up for her. I'm scared of like how, it would, how I would react. Like how could I, like the emotions that come with that. So there's a, there's a, there's a real like, scariness that comes to this type of depth and this type of love but i think that the, the redeeming part of that is that there is so much reward that you know as a father i am partially i'm not responsible for who she is in the world i'm responsible for how she is in the world and i take that very very seriously and i know that this is a journey that i'm going to be on forever so everything stops but when it comes to being a father when it comes to being a parent i'll never stop Every single day, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? My daddy still parents me. I'm 40 years old. I still be calling him like, daddy, I need you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I lost my mother. My mother died of cancer six years ago. Prior to that, I was on the phone with her every single day. You know what I'm saying? So it's like me just being prepared to parent my child until, you know, I'm dead and gone. Mm-hmm. And, and situating myself in that and being committed to that. That's a huge, huge commitment. Um, and it really puts things in perspective. Everything else in your in your life kind of just revolves around that. Um, and that's what that's taught me. Just It's a singular focus that's like nothing else I've ever experienced. Yeah. I guess um, you said um, it taught you what unconditional love like 
feels like. If you could describe what unconditional love, like if you could depict it or something like that, what would, how would you describe like what unconditional love even looks like? I always say this. When you say that you love somebody, there is no but after that. Okay. So I love you. I love you and. I love you and. And always being in that I love you and place, no matter who they are or how they are in the world. So it looks like I, there's, there's never anything that my child could do that would ever make me turn her back, turn my back on her. I could turn my back on, on other family members, on friends. I'll cut you off in a minute. Just because we're related does not mean we got to be family. Doesn't mean I gotta show up for you. Just because we, we, we've been friends for 20, 25 years. I don't have to if you are going against my values or my morals or are insulting my, my intelligence or my integrity. But my child will get away with all of that because I have to keep showing up for her because she's mine. Mm. Because she's mine. And, and that unconditional love looks like I have faith in you to be the best version of yourself. And I believe you being the best version of yourself means you receiving this unconditional love I'm giving you, even if you can't give it to me back. So I know that there's nothing that my daughter could ever do that would make me not want her, not want to talk to her, not, there's nothing, there's nothing in this world, you know, and that's what it looks like. It looks like just showing up all the time, even when it hurts, even when it might be fucking wrong, I'm, I'm daddy and I'm here, always, 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 always. Love that, love that. Um, yeah, I love that, that's great, and I love just hearing relationships with like fathers and daughters and and also hearing that too because I feel like a lot of parents don't go into it like that a lot of parents have turned their children away because of certain things whether it's like sexuality or you know different ideas and so I just I'm just glad to hear that that is how you yeah. parent yeah um, for sure for sure and, you know, and I think go ahead what you gonna say no, I was going to keep going, keep going. Oh, no, and I was going to say, like, for me, it's a, it's a generational thing, because that's when, my, when, my, when I came out to my dad, let me tell you a quick story with my dad. Uh, I came out as a, as a lesbian when I was, like, 15, right? And at the time, my father's, one of my father's best friends was a lesbian, and he was, like, in her wedding. And, you know, and I was a little fast-ass little teenager. I was already running the streets and in the clubs and shit, and I used to see her in the club. And I remember seeing her out, and she was like, your father is so hurt that you don't trust him enough to come out to him. Like, he already know. Like, he's like, she's like, look at you. <laughs> he knows. Say something to him. So I sat my dad down, like, oh, daddy, you know, gay, whatever. And he said to me, he said, you know, baby, I was your father, and you were my child before either one of us got here. He said, it's not my job to teach you who to be in this world. It's to teach you how to be in this world. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's where I got that from, and I carry that with me to this day. And even when I had to come out as trans, I came out as trans to my dad, you know, um, you know, I didn't even really come out to that. So I didn't really even come out to him, like, for real. I, me and my ex-girlfriend at the time, we was in Buffalo visiting my family. And we're sitting at the kitchen table talking to my dad. So we're having a conversation. And my dad is calling me she, and she's calling me he. And I'm just sitting there like, what the fuck is going on? So then my dad called me after I got back to New York. He said, yo, so is he now? That's what we doing? And I was like, that is what we're doing. So he said, every man needs a good black suit and a blue suit. Do you have a black suit and a blue suit? I said, I have a black suit. He said, well, I guess I got to buy you a blue suit. And then that was it. And that was okay. it. So it was an unconditional, it was, I've, I've been raised in unconditional love. And that's the thing, like so many trans people, our, our story is situated around like all this resilience, all the struggle. And those stories are important and those stories are valued, but that's not necessarily my story. Mm-hmm. You know, my story is a, a story of love, you know, and that's, that's where it comes from. And that's the kind of love I want to give to my, my kid. 
Yeah. Speaking of stories, um, we watched you on Disclosure on Netflix. It's a documentary about trans people in the media. It was amazing. It's one of, literally one of the best documentaries I've seen in a very, very long time. It was fantastic. Um, what would be your dream role in media that focuses on Black trans masculinity? A dream role that focuses on Black trans masculinity? Mm-hmm. I think maybe like if I was an actor. Um, maybe like a story, like maybe something that you wish that you could see, or maybe when you were younger, you wish that you could have seen like a movie about a black trans man or something like that. Um, I would love to see something of a, of a black trans man in like a love story as a love interest or a black trans man through his transition uh, with his family and what that looks like so that people can see that like when we transition, it's not just us that transitions, it's everybody around us, right? So I had to go from being the youngest daughter to the to the youngest son. I went from being the favorite auntie to the favorite uncle. You know what I'm saying? I went from you know, being a, the little sister to the baby brother. Everybody had to do that. And I think that the, those stories around us that influence and, and, and fortify our, our journey as trans people, I could get lost. So I would love to see a story of a black trans man and a black family and and transitioning and and falling in love and creating a, and creating a, a a family. I guess I kind of want to see my story. I guess that's what the fuck I'm saying. Um, <laughs> such a narcissist. Um, but <laughs> I think we all want to see ourselves sometimes, especially when you never get to see yourself. Like, yeah. you imagine like white people can like they have like so many stories so many characters that they can relate to like the first time i ever saw myself was like in crooklyn and i don't think i've ever seen myself depicted ever before you know what i'm saying so it's like it's a very interesting conversation like it's not narcissism in a way it's just like why aren't my stories being reflected yeah how did you feel how did you feel connected to crooklyn so Crooklyn, I saw it when I was like very young. It's like my mom's favorite story. So I saw it when I was like a kid. My parents took me to see it. And at the time, like I looked exactly like that young girl. Like, oh wow. Like exactly like her. Beads, braids, everything. And so um her family, like her dad was a musician and her mom was a teacher. My grandfather was a musician. My grandmother was a teacher and she would go down South. And I used to go down South every summer to visit my grandparents and her family looked exactly like my family. And so seeing just like, even though I didn't grow up in Brooklyn, even though I didn't, you know, live in the seventies, even though I didn't have like exact same experiences, I saw people in my family that looked like these characters Mm -hmm. and it hit me in a way. Like my mom says, like when I saw the movie, spoiler alert to anyone who's never seen Crooklyn, but like I cried for like four hours after watching the movie because I was like, I'm going to go down South and my mom's going to (laughs) die. So like, I was, you know, like I was like a young kid and just anxious, but, um, but yeah, like it was just very, I think that was like the first time I saw a black family that mirrored mine. Mm -hmm. It's just like, yeah, that was a really good movie too. It was. Phenomenal movie. Yeah. I always wondered like what happened to her. Right. Like her, the little boy from Soul Food. I looked at like a few recently. Is he still cute? No, I, I mean, I don't think he's cute, but I think he's queer. 
Okay. Well, that's good. I think so. I think I think so. But he's not cute, so never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, everybody got a thing. You know, we all thought that little boy from Soul Food was cute back in the day. <laughs> Girl, oh my god. Mm. Mm, a man, or when a I was a boy, yeah, like <laughs> like I could say as a kid, I was like a man. Like as a kid, I was like a man who cared about the family. <laughs> who, who? Not me. Not me. Matter of fact, him, Michael Beach, all the male characters, Makai Pfeiffer. That was a good. As a gay boy, now I understand why I love Soul Food so much. <laughs> it all. It all a full circle moment. Yeah, uh-huh. Full circle moments. Um, so, Teek, what would you tell your younger self about being trans? What's up, my younger self? I think I would tell my younger self that they're going to be just fine. But they, they can be trans, and you can be transgender, and you can still have a successful career. You can still have a beautiful family. You can still have a place of worship. You can still find a community. Like, even though it gets hard and it gets isolating, just get this, you know, just buckle up and just muscle through those times and you'll be okay. That's what I would tell my younger self. That's what I tell all these young trans kids. Like, as I, you know, here I am, a real life transgender adult who is full of love, who's been successful, who got my own shit, I got a good life, um, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm authentically me, and you could do it too. So I think for me, it'd just be about being a, a, a model of possibility for my younger self, so they can see themselves in me. So, go ahead. Um, oh, you about to ask? <laughs> you about to ask a question? Okay. I was just gonna say that, um, like you've mentioned in some of like your past works, that when you were younger, like there were no social spaces for Black trans men, and you often felt like the only one. Um, where did you build community as a Black trans person? Mm-hmm. At the beginning, when I first started my transition. I didn't know any black trans men at all. And what happened was, you know, this is back in the day because I'm older. on Yahoo groups. And I went to a Yahoo group and it was called Urban Trans Men. So this is where everybody was using the word urban instead of black, right? Uh, so I went to this this group, this Yahoo group, and there were over 400 black trans men all over the world. Like I met black trans men in Australia, in Germany, in the South, in Canada. And that was my first community. And I always used to be in this in this these chat rooms hours every single day and we're not only were we just like making friendships but we were also exchanging resources like these doctors to do your surgery these doctors wrong this is what you got to tell the insurance company this is how you get this like really trying to finesse the system so that we can live our most authentic selves you know what i'm saying people putting together like care packages for one another putting together like transportation teams for one another like we got a trans guy in this city who needs to get four hours to this city who can help him, who could do this, you know? So it was a real community of folks. And then from there, I was able to build out like in like, like the real world. Um, I say all that to say, like, I think oftentimes what we do is we treat online spaces as if it's not real. Mm. As if like real things don't happen there, but real things really do happen there. You know, sometimes like I'm, you know, I'm privileged that I can like live and work in New York City and I have a lot of, you know, I have access to a lot of things, but most of us don't. Most people, most black people in this country, a lot of us are in the South or someplace in the Midwest, in small towns that people don't pay any attention to and we don't have the same access, and they don't have the same access as we do here in New York City. So these online spaces for them become like the, the place where they can call home and where they can find like people that are like them, that they can turn to when things are hard. So that was my, my first taste of community. But as 
the trans community kept growing and getting more visible, particularly here in New York City's LGBTQ community, um, started to build outward. And now I just know, I feel like I know every trans man in the country. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Especially all the black ones. You know what I'm saying? It's a real, <laughs> it's a real community of us here. So that's how it started for me. It started online. It's so funny hearing you talk about Yahoo, the Yahoo groups. Cause woo. Mm. I saw so many great things on your Yahoo groups. What a time. <laughs> what a time. What a time. Especially as a young gay boy, it was great. <laughs> it was great. All the first dicks I saw were on Yahoo groups. Um <laughs> mm, mm. good times. Okay. Uh, <laughs> It was a good time. It really was. Um, so, how has the increasing visibility of trans people both helped and hurt Black trans people? How has this visibility hurt and helped? Well, I think visibility, when we can be, when we're not visible, when we're not visible, we only live and exist in the imaginations of those that fear us, mm. which means that oftentimes we just become monsters in the world. So, it's, so in order to shift that, we have to be visible and we have to be in control of our own stories. So I think being visible helps other Black and queer trans people who may not be out, who may be having these conflicting feelings. They can see people like me and Angelica Ross and Jenna Mock and Marquise and Brian, and they can say to themselves, I can't exist in the world. So the good part is we can be models of possibility for other queer trans folks, and not just like the young ones either, because we got older queer and trans people in their 30s and 40s, even in their 50s, who are just realizing like what their most authentic self is. And they're doing that because they get to see us in the world. Now, the, the paradox of our visibility is that the more visible we are, the more that we are attacked. And I think, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around like why cishet folks, particularly men, but you know, but, but cishet black women ain't off the hook either. You know what I'm saying? Why is it that our existence rouse them up so much you know like is it because we're living an authenticity that you weren't able to get to mm. is it because like you worship a god that tells that that is like seeped in like white supremacy and sexism but ain't really god at all like what is it like what is going on that you seeing me exist makes you want to destroy me or makes you want to take makes you want to disown your child right i don't know what it is but i think it may be a combination of the two and I think sometimes, and because like cisgender heterosexual culture and definitions is so limited, that this idea of us as trans people, we come in here, we kind of explode, we just kind of, you know, just blow up these ideas. Maybe it's that they, they feel like expanding, creating space for us means taking away space from them. Maybe it's the, maybe it's something about like our bravery and safety, self determination that 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 rubs them the wrong the wrong way. Like I wasn't able to be this, so how the fuck you get to be able to be this? How do you get to say that you get to live in the world? You know, so I don't I don't I, I I'm not sure what it is, but there's that paradox there. So yeah, and I think maybe also I think it's just change. You know, I, sometimes people really don't adapt well to change. And having an expansive idea of gender and sexuality and saying that gender is more than just this binary thing. Sexuality is more than just homosexual, heterosexual. There's all kinds of places our desires and our genders land on the spectrum. Maybe that, that change is just too much for people to really understand. So they want to they kill it. Um, so, yes, I don't know. I don't know. But that's how, it, but that's how it's functioning. 
Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I'm going to turn on my light. Um, so, oh, right, right. I really like it's really dark. Um, <laughs> so, I think one of the things that we talked about when we had Angela Carras on the show is this idea of passing privilege. Um, and so, obviously, I, it's really not up to me, but I would assume that you had you you can easily pass. Um, so I think I would like to, I guess from a black trans man's perspective, what does that mean? What is the idea of having, of having pa- passing privilege mean? Right, here's the thing. So I, I try to reframe that, right? Because passing is, a, is an active thing. It's a deliberate thing. Mm-hmm. It's a deliberate thing that has a legacy that is seeping racism all over the world, particularly, so let's just talk about like the, like the black American experience. So you have black people who would pass for white, light-skinned, light-eyed black folks who would deliberately pass for white as a way of keeping themselves safe, as a way of having opportunities, economic and educational opportunities, you know, for themselves and their families. You had really light-skinned, light-eyed black folks who would pass for white because they hated being black. It was a deliberate and intentional thing. I am not trying to pass as a cisgender man. Mm-hmm. I take my shot of testosterone every every 10 days, and this is what the fuck happened, right? So I'm not trying to pass. I'm being assumed. So people are assuming that they see me as a cisgender person. But with that assumption, there comes privilege. So with that assumption, there's, there's, there's privilege, and, there's, and because I'm a transmasculine person, there's privilege, right? Because the thing is about as a masculine people, in particular as a masculine person who is red as straight, as red as cisgender, no one is scrutinizing me. And what people do is anybody that has a little hint of femininity in them, they want to pick them apart. Women get picked apart all the time. They don't do that to masculine men. They just don't. They don't even, I barely, I barely even fucking look at me unless it's like fucking cops. You know what I'm saying? But other than that, nobody's really paying attention to me. So there's a privilege there. And for me, you know, I, there's nothing I can do about that. But what I can do is really be intentional about making space for other people and really being aware of the fact that I walk in this world with this privilege. So what does it look like for me to be in solidarity with those who don't? So that's how I look at it. But for me, it's not a really about passing because I don't I don't have I have zero desire to be a cisgender person. I, I do not. I, I um identify as a heterosexual person and not because of my, my sexuality like i'm only attracted to feminine women but heterosexuality is just too small for how i function in my in my desire and in my sexuality and in my politics you know what i'm saying so i have no desire to be that but if people want to assume that then that's on you i can't i don't know what to tell you you know yeah so, um, I guess with that being said, you said also in a past interview uh, on BuzzFeed, you mentioned that you have felt pressure to be less masculine in queer spaces. This was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you feel that way? And do you still feel that pressure today? Because I think that my masculinity shows up in a really binary way. And, and I'm black. Um, and, when you, when, you know, like, yeah, I love queer community and all that, um, but if I'm in queer community, particularly in, in mixed spaces and white queer folks, like, why, why, a lot of white queer folks are racist as fuck. You know what I'm saying? And just because they're queer trans doesn't mean they're not racist. And that kind of like that intimidation or that uncomfortable, that, un, that being uncomfortable with black masculinity shows up in these spaces, right? And it's not just, and I've had even like other black queers who are maybe gender nonconforming or more on, like in the middle of the spectrum of gender, 
look at me and and basically pass judgment and say like i am performing this because i'm i am seeped into this like cis passable privilege uh, which makes me less queer and i have to come back like that's not that's not what i'm doing this is just what happens you take your shot that's how the fuck you look bitch i take my shot that's how i look i can't help it like this is what it is you know what i'm saying and so i've, I've felt that like there's not space for like a binary masculinity to exist in queer spaces uh, if it's too masculine. And I'm not like a hyper-masculine kind of guy. I'm really not. But I'm masculine enough for it to be called into question. For it to be, to, for it to be seen as like, I'm, because I have this passing privilege, that I'm somehow engaging in some type of anti-queer something. And I'm not. You know, and I'm not at all. But I have, I have found that in spaces. But now that I've gotten older, I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck. I'm me. I'm taking law, baby. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to show up exactly how I want to show up. I'm going to keep doing this work. I'm gonna keep getting this money. Y'all kiss my ass. Come on, get this money. That, whatever, I've been doing this work for 20 years. I can say whatever the fuck I want at this point. So, I'm gonna vote. Does that come with being 40? You know, I mean, I feel like, I feel, because I feel like I've talked to my mom about it. My mom, she says, like, once you turn 40, it's like something clicks in your brain that says, like, I don't care what anyone thinks. And then, like, the older you get, the the louder that click is. Yeah, the less fucks you have to give. And it feels so good. It's free. It really is. I don't really care. I really don't. I really don't. And for me, I think, yeah, it's age. And also, like, I've worked really hard to get to where I am. You know, and nobody, there's nobody that can take that away from me. And, you know, I've been working really hard not to make the same mistake twice and learning from my mistakes and treating it as a learning lesson and scaling my life up and constantly just working towards the next step, constantly just working towards the next step. And, and, I, and I reach it. I always reach it. So, yeah, can't nobody tell me shit. I don't give a fuck. Can't nobody tell me nothing. Can't nobody tell me nothing. You know? Uh, I don't really care about anybody's opinions anymore. And I think I spent too much time caring about people's opinions. You know, but at 40, and I mean, enough, you know what? Like I said, you know, three of my cousins who I grew up with, they are dead. And, you know, between 2014 and 2016, I lost eight people. And I'm not just like I knew eight people. I lost eight people that I loved, some to violence, some to disease, to the things that kill black people, whether it was cancer or heart attacks, suicide, gun violence, domestic violence. I lost people, people that did not make it to 40. So I'll be damned if I'm going to sit here and be hung up on other people's opinions of me with some of the people who I love the most, who I care with me every day, aren't allowed to be here. So, yeah, no, I don't, I don't care. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. I felt that. I also feel like Corona too has helped me not give a fuck about things as well. Like it puts a lot of things into perspective when you're in a global pandemic and the things that I used to worry about, the things that I used to care about, yeah. they're not that important anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Me and my ex were talking about this the other day. Just, you know, because she and I both did a lot of, um, like, a lot of public work, and we shared stages together, and partying, just really, like, in this, in this like, New York life. Every day, we're at an event, we're at this art show, we're at this gallery, we're at this fancy restaurant, we're just boom, boom, moving and shaking, and it's all taken away, and it's now, like, what is left? Mm-hmm. What is left of how I value myself and how I think about myself? Like, what is the essence of me? When you take away all of these other things, what's left? And I think for me, during COVID, there was a time where, I, you know, it, that was a hard question to answer. Uh, and it was a hard place to get to. Like, I think I went through, like, a grief of the world that, that we had. Because the world that we had is gone. That shit yeah. ain't coming back. 
It's, it's a whole, I think right now, like there's a demarcation. It's going to be, I remember before COVID, remember before 2020 and after 2020, there is no, that's it. That's it. Right. So being able to like redefine yourself from the inside out instead of the outside in mm-hmm. is a journey that I think a lot of us have had to go through during this pandemic. And it's a, and it's a struggle. It's not easy. It's not easy, but you're absolutely right. It definitely changes. It changes everything. It has changed everything. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think so much, I've been talking to people and I've been like, just saying the idea of like 9-11, like before 9-11, after 9-11, I was like, it's just on a larger scale now. Like COVID is just a larger scale 9-11. Yep. Um, that affects the world in particular. Um, So that's kind of like, because I feel like that was probably the most traumatic thing in, well, not, I won't say that, but one of the biggest things that happened since I've been alive Mm -hmm. in terms of history. So I think it was so life changing. And this kind of feels like, like I said, a much bigger version of that. And the understanding that like 9-11 changed the way you fly forever and travel it's going to do the same thing. Like COVID is going to change the way we just live forever. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. It's all, it's all different now. Together. All right. Actually, let me, let me stop saying that. Um, I'm going to take out the ghetto. I've decided to, to okay. do something. I've decided to do something. Cause you know, the ghetto, I actually love the ghetto. Um, you do. I, shout out to the ghetto. Um, and I'm a bird. So, um, I'm not going to say Wu Chow the trailer park because I don't like the trailer park. And when I think of trailer park, I think of white trash. And to mm. me, when I think of white trash, I think of people with no teeth. Mm. I think of, you know, Confederate flags and stuff. And I just think of a lot of like white people on um, government aid, but saying, but, but accusing of black folks of being on black. <laughs> Now I say, us, but you would think that that wasn't true, but they are one of the biggest recipients. But, yeah. you know, exactly. So, Woo Child, the trailer park. Because <laughs> that's way, that's far worse. And then it's also the trailer park. Like, Who wants live to in the trailer. Yeah. Exactly. Come on, least fun. <laughs> you learn things in the ghetto. I ain't never heard nobody saying they learned anything in the trailer park. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, child. <laughs> So, as you mentioned, like recently, as you you recently turned forty, what is one goal you have for your forties? Um, one of the goals I have is by the time I'm forty five to see my first million, first million dollars, um, and to be ready to buy a house. Um, and I want to get married again. So, I would like to have those three things to happen by the time I'm forty five, the next five years. And then after that, I don't know. I don't vision that far ahead. I only can vision, you know, about five years. But think mm-hmm. five years. So that's those are the three things that I'm working towards. Is there a particular reason why you only say five years ahead? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I just can't. I, it just. Yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know. But I've always done my my visioning in five year increments, and then I like reverse engineer it and go back. Um, but I think five years. Maybe that's just the only the most the span of time that I can like handle. No, I just think it's interesting that you said that because I, I was recently in a, um, talking to someone and they were like, "Do you have you ever thought about yourself like at like forty five, fifty five? And I was like, "Not really." Like, I like, I usually just 
envision myself like a year from now. Um, but I think like when I was a kid, what I envisioned myself at, like, I would always envision myself in my 20s and my 30s, mainly because I thought I was going to be Samantha. Oh, and then eventually Joan. Um, but I kind of am Joan now. But nonetheless, um, I'm a Ooch House girl. But that's neither here or there. Um, <laughs> I now, it's very hard for me to think like more than a couple years ahead. So I was wondering mm-hmm. why. Yeah. Well, you know, I think during, during the pandemic at the beginning of this, uh, I need to turn the light on. At the beginning of this, um, it was really hard. Like I really had a, right before I had a clear vision, like New Year's hit 2020, I was like 2020 vision, I was like, ah, I very like clear mapped out vision of what my life was gonna be. I had so many things planned out for this year and everything went to shit. And so there was a, there was a, the first couple months of this pandemic, very, very difficult for me. And I couldn't really even see, I could, I could only like vision like for the next couple days. You know what I'm saying? Like, in my time, like, really got smaller. My vision got so much smaller. And that shit was kicking up my anxiety. It made me almost feel like I was going to die. You know what I'm saying? In a weird way. Like, since I couldn't see myself in the future, I was like, well, then what does that mean? What does that even mean if I can't see past the next couple days? And that shit was fucking with me. And it just took, like, I had to, you know, I really hit bottom for a minute. I kind of spiraled out of control for a minute. Um, had some losses in my life. And then I had to, like, just, like, nigga, get your shit together. Like, you're better than this. You know, you're here for a reason. And just and just starting to, under, it, I think for me what happened was I kept waiting for this to, like, we just want to get on the other side of this and it's going to be okay. Uh-huh. It's going to get to the other side. It's almost over. It's almost over. It ain't over. And it's not going to be over anytime soon. And there is no other side to this. This is what it is. Mm-hmm. So accepting that. So being able to accept that. And I'm a really spiritual man. I go to church every Sunday, praying real hard, meditating real hard. Um, kind of got me to a place where I said, okay, now I can now I can shift my vision to what five years from now is going to look like in this post-COVID world. Okay, the trailer for her. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that has been like the biggest shift for me too is accepting just accepting life and and accepting who I am. Um specifically because like coronavirus is such a it's so crazy because I feel like a lot of change is coming up like I'm supposed to be moving uh in October. I'm like I don't know if I should like stay with my parent, go home and stay with my parents or like find a space or if we're going to be going back into the office, like things change so swiftly uh, when it comes to coronavirus. So what I've been trying to do is like, and I don't, one, I hate change. Like I'm just kind of like, I I don't like it. it. It makes me feel uncomfortable, but I've been trying to just say like, just go, trying to like, use this moment to figure out what go with the flow means. Cause I'm definitely not like a go with the flow type of girl. Like I'm always like, where's the flow going before, <laughs> you it's, know, does the flow have a direction? Exactly. Like, is it going North? Is it going like, where are we? <laughs> are we taking a right? A left? Right, like is the flow going to move a different way? Like I need to know that. Is it water land? Like what, <laughs> what exactly I need to know where, how the flow flows. But, 2020 and coronavirus has like completely thrown all of that stuff out the window and it's forced me to actually have to go with the flow and so i'm grateful for it but it's like you said before it's been hard because you are you're grieving what used to be the world you're grieving 
what you thought was going to be your future. And that is also really tough because I was like, 2020, I'm going to have the best year ever. And in some ways, like it has been really good moments, but there's also been really, really tough, really, really hard moments emotionally and mentally. So, um, so yeah, it's just been, it's been hard. I guess like how, how have you, like what are some things that you do to kind of like when you do get into spaces where you're like spiraling a little bit, you know, where you're not feeling your best, where you're not feeling like you can go on, like what are the things that you do to kind of like help, help you get through those moments? Uh, you know, I guess I, I really go to God. Like that's my, my, my place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have spiritual advisors in my life. I have one shout out to Kat. She's a medium she does tarot readings and I meet with her and talk to her. I have a friend who is the Dean of Theology, a black woman um, named Teresa Thames, Dean of Theology at Princeton. She's a good friend of mine. Um, and I reach out to them and I talk to them and I pray and I, I pray hard. I pray hard. You know, like going to you like, like an old black lady, like, babe, I'm going to my prayer closet, okay? <laughs> I'm going to my prayer closet. You know what I'm saying? Like, I pray, honey. I'm going to pray. I'm going to meditate. Because sometimes it's all like God. Mm-hmm. Just, not just, you know, there's so much uncertainty in this life, but the one thing that is certain to me is my faith. Mm-hmm. And one thing I know is that, you know, um, God always has faith in me, even if I don't have faith in him. Mm-hmm. And to keep going there, keep going back and keep going back and knowing that what is meant for me will always be mine. And that greatness is what may not be promised to us, but greatness is what we all can attain. Mm. And, that's, and that's, only, that's the only thing that our spirit wants for us. So for me, as a really spiritual person, that's the, that's the only place that I could go because there's nobody else. But when we reach out to my friends, everybody going through shit. People ain't got no jobs. You know what I'm saying? People, you know, niggas up here, bro. Niggas is drinking every goddamn day. You know what I'm saying? They're just drinking and fucking and smoking. And you don't know what the fuck is going on. You know, I can't talk to y'all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You ain't got no answers. You know, we gonna sit here on Zoom and just drink together, bitch. That's all we can do. But I need more than that. Oh, you know, and that's the only place I could go. To the Lord. That's it. I pray. Real hard. <laughs> That's hard. 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 <laughs> Just the thought of, like, you can't go nowhere. You really can't. Like, because everyone's going through something. Everybody's Truly going through something yeah but you know it's been really helpful just talking to people too but that's been cool too i what i've realized during this time is i've had so many conversations with with people who i typically wouldn't talk to a lot you know so like my closest friends you know how you got like really really close friends you've been friends with for years and maybe only talk to them like once or twice a year however i've been talking to these motherfuckers like every month (laughs) you know every week we're just talking and and sometimes the talking is a lot of laughing sometimes the talking has been crying i've been on you know drinking on for two hours just because just all we got right now, all we got is each other. So not only is it going to the spirit, but also just going to, also just going to my friends and just saying like, I don't know. I don't know what's up. You don't know what's up. Cheers to the confusion and chaos. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just knowing that I'm not the, I'm not alone in, in the, in the mess of this. Right. Cause we're all in it. It's messy for all of us. Q, Michael Jackson, you are not alone. Bus is here with you. 
going far away. Going far away. I am here to stay. Come on, y'all. You are not alone. You are not alone. I'm here with you. I am here with you. We have no sense. Ooh, a song. Mm. Mm. Every day I sit and ask myself, um, when's Corona going to be over? Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So we're going to go into that. Um, Not yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, how have you been having sex during quarantine? If so, how? If not, why? Okay, so does sex with myself count? Because there's been a lot of that. The sex with yeah, no, I mean, yeah, All right, okay. Well, now, now everybody knows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I have a friend. I have a, a friend um, who lives... <laughs> You know, who lives in another state, and we've had FaceTime sex a few times. Okay. That's been cute. I like that. Yeah, FaceTime sex is fun. It's better than like phone yeah. sex. You know, it's like, it is. See, and I kind of give instruction like, do this, do this. You mm, know, that's true. Look it up. You know, so I've had FaceTime sex uh, a few times, and that has, that has been a lot of fun. Okay. I was going to have FaceTime sex, but it was with a white dude. And it was around the time of like the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor protest. And I said, nah, I'm good. <laughs> good decision, Amber. <laughs> I can't do it. All kinds of trauma behind that shit. Right. Like, it's just like I can't do it. Not today. Not today. Not today, white boy. Not, you can't even give virtual pussy to white men during this time. Right. You can't. can't give no. They don't even deserve virtual pussy. Y'all hear me out there? If you have a pussy, do not give any fuck. If you have a pussy, a bussy, or whatever, you do not give that to a white person, even virtually, damn it. No, deserve it. They don't, not now. Not these days. Not during these trying times. No bussy, no peace. <laughs> he gets none of my bits. None. None. Amber, have you had any sex still? Is it still been? Uh-uh, it's still dry. It's still dry okay. over okay. here. But right. I'm okay with it. Okay. And I, I think I have a little bit more anxiety around having sex. Mm. Like. Because I'm, I don't know. I feel like I would want to get tested first, like also get tested for coronavirus. <laughs> and I don't know, men suck. And so they're, it's just like, it takes so much. I, I think I have anxiety around, and this is my own shit, but like I have anxiety around enforcing a boundary because mm. I feel sometimes that like the boundaries that I set are. Uh, illogical not illogical but like they're not necessary like i'm doing too much or i'm like you know you're doing like why are you have to ask them to like get tested before you have sex with them but like that's what i feel comfortable with and like Mm -hmm. that's okay and so i'm just like trying to like tell myself that whatever i want to do whatever boundaries that i have like those are my boundaries and i have to be confident in them so so yeah but um I'm okay with it. I, there's a there's a slowness about dating with coronavirus that I kind of like. That I I feel like I'm kind of like oh like okay you don't there's no pressure to touch you you know what I'm saying like I'm just like 
<laughs> like I have a lot. <laughs> I kind of like it. I kind of, I'm kind of into it. Nice. You know, that's what's up. There's a you know what Amber I like that I, I think it's because like I've moved so quickly and like in certain areas I'm learning that I'm still I still have it's going to take because I want to gain that intimacy with someone and I want to fall in love but I like also want to feel comfortable sharing my body with someone and I have to take the time to actually like listen to myself rather than being like oh I like I want to have sex it seems like he wants to have sex let's do it you know Mm -hmm. like when do I feel comfortable like sharing my body with someone I think I'm just slowing down a lot more I like that that concept. I'm on. I'm on. I'm on adopt that concept. From you. <laughs> I'm on adopt that concept. From you. Oh. I yeah. I just be having sex just to have sex a lot. I feel like I feel like you and I have switched in a lot of places. You know what? Right? Fair, fair, like, fair. I would be out here fucking. I used to be out here getting it in and then and now i'm fucking in forest you know? that's that's how it goes like that's what i think sex is like a journey sometimes like mm. sometimes you're going to like have a lot of sex sometimes you're going to learn a certain part about yourself and you're like i don't like this and like so i'm just i think it's i think it's a lot like just coming to terms with like i haven't really dealt with a lot of like the sexual trauma that I have had and being confident and comfortable one dealing with it, but then like also like bringing, like getting into another relationship and feeling comfortable with the person, like sharing my body with like another person. It's just, it's going to take me a little bit of time, you know, but that's okay. As it should take all the time you need. Yep. Prozac got me. First, I got it so that like I my sex drive is so low right now, so that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shout out to meds. <laughs> they said so. This funny thing is, well, Brutin. They said that me taking well, Brutin now would like increase my sex drive and is that increase my. I well, not not so much. Like my sex drive, pretty much is pretty it's been the same. same. My mm-hmm. appetite hasn't decreased that much, though. Like, I have days where it's super decreased, but then I have other days where I'm like, feed me oh, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, they don't be know what they're talking about. <laughs> um, Bodies the, are all different, y'all. <laughs> like, like, they they don't be knowing. They just, they give you the symptoms just so your ass, like, nigga, this might happen. <laughs> I just don't want you to say that it didn't, It we didn't tell you. Like, okay, thank you. <laughs> I still want to eat. Um, anyways, um, so Teek, you've mentioned before. Um, you've mentioned before that sex is like a buffet. You try a little bit and you go back for seconds on your faves. Keeping with that analogy, what's a surprising buffet dish you've tried that you be- that has become a fave? Wow, I don't. Even, I don't. I don't even realize that I said that. But um, <laughs> I went. Deep, I went deep in your Twitter, so. <laughs> Uh, what is the thing that was surprising? You know what? Um, I kind of, I've over the years, I like DNS type relationships, so like dominant, submissive types of dynamics in relationships. Um, little light S and M, I found that I kind of like. 
Um, I enjoy being a dominant person. I enjoy being a dom. Um, I enjoy giving direction and being with somebody that knows how to take instruction and can listen. Um, that kind of turns me on. But then also, there I've met women who I've wanted to serve. You know, women who I've just wanted to worship. Like all I want to do is do exactly what you tell me to do. So I kind of I like that dynamic from both ends of it. You know, this very because I think that there's a lot of trust there because because what it's asking you to do, you kind of give up your will a little bit. You know, so if you're going to be really into this kind of like DNS kind of thing, that means that you're going to trust me enough that you're going to trust me enough to give me all of your control and 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 all of your will. And to do that is a really, you know, there's a lot of responsibility there, you know. Um, and I think that's kind of hot, this exchange of control um, and when it's consensual. So that's something that I've gone back for seconds on, you know. I've had some 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 little babies that I've had to mold, you know. And I've also been with women who I was like, just, you know, let me worship you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but I do, I really do like that. Those those extremes um, have been a lot of fun. Eating ass is fun too. I mean, you know, grow up if you're not eating ass, girl. <laughs> Be an adult. Be an adult. Bust it open. <laughs> Put your face in it. That's fun too. We also support ass you know, here at the You Pray Thou podcast. Good. We do. Good, 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 good. Sit on face, save a life. That's how we like to say <laughs> It's our motto. Sit on face, save a life. For every face that you sit on, you can save a child in Nigeria, okay? <laughs> Mozambique. Right? Mm. Uh, Amber, is there something that you went back for seconds on recently that you, or that you were surprised you liked? What was something that I, I think I kind of was surprised that I kind of like peeing on that dude. It was kind of cool. I was surprised I was into that. I was like, I was also surprised that I was so into, like I knew, I, I was very surprised that I was really into like voyeurism, but like being watched. I think mm. that was something like that I didn't realize that I absolutely love but it kind of makes sense you know leo being like the you know center of attention that makes mm -hmm. sense but i really got off on that so can i just ask about the p um yes. <laughs> <laughs> i love it so i i have a question <laughs> you're like mm, okay let's go back to the <laughs> so you peed on him did it wasn't in the bed was it did you put okay. the house down was there plastic Okay, so we, <laughs> it was not in the bed. Okay. Please do not pee in the bed. That, I mean, it just. Don't yuck nobody young. Yes, but like, come on, like, it's too hard to clean, you know, because it's like inside the mattress. Anyway. Um, you got them, um, those protective things. That's true. And also, we're like at a hotel, but they don't clean those, I hear either. But anyway, um. So we were actually at a hotel and we went, like he laid in the bathtub and I like stood over him and just impede. Um, I drank a lot of water beforehand, which was nice. So it was a lot of pee. <laughs> so he was really into it. I think it was also the fact that he was so into it. Like I peed and he like, immediately came like it was like it 
it was kind of it was kind of cool you like it i love it yeah but i didn't know i'd be into that i think i would just be worried that i didn't drink enough water or something like i don't want like if i'm gonna pee on you like i want my pee to be pretty clear like i don't oh yeah my pee was clear clear like it was like it was is because i drank so much and then you know i drink a lot of water anyway like I drank so much water that time because I thought I was sick at that time. Not like coronavirus or anything like that. It was like a long time ago, y'all. But like, you know. Interesting. Don't you always have to like tell people that it isn't corona when you don't feel This like was pre-coronavirus this. <laughs> I just we we, we stay fine. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> we share. Um, what's an idea surrounding masculinity that you've had to release in order to create better relationships? Think. Um, I think. Uh, I think at the beginning of my transition, I thought that as a trans man, I was going to like uh, be like this this hero or or be able to rescue people um, that I was supposed to have all the answers you know i didn't really create a lot of space for my masculinity to be vulnerable and what mm-hmm. i realized is that me doing that what not only was it it was unfair to my partners and it was unfair to me so i think when i realized that i could you know my manhood my masculinity is not you know going to be taken from me if i don't know or if i'm scared or if i need some help or if i'm feeling vulnerable if i need to cry or if i like like i don't know fucking puppy videos on on instagram like none of these which i do i love puppy videos i love cat videos you know <laughs> um i had to I had to release all of that and know that I, there's you know i'm not a real hard kind of guy I'm, I'm a pretty soft guy um and being able to say that out loud I'll be okay with it and still be like you know I'm, I'm still the man that i want to be so i had to release those kind of limitations and it's, it's made me a better person and I think it's made me a better partner. Amen. That's good. Um, so you, you, ta- you mentioned like your divorce. Um, and so like, how has your divorce changed your view on relationships and like, what's one thing you would like to achieve in your next relationship that maybe you weren't able to do in your last? Okay, so what my divorce is taught me. Now, mind you, you know, when I met my ex-wife, I met her on Facebook two weeks after I asked her to marry me. We hadn't even met in person yet. And then we were married three months later. Wait, what? Yeah, I met her. I was like, I love you. Do you want to get married? She was like, fuck it. Yup, let's get married. Two weeks, flew out to New York. She lived in California. We lived together for two months. Water rain. Like, boom, bada bang. We got married. Wow. It was very, very quick. And I didn't say that was necessarily a bad thing. Maybe it was. But I'll tell you this. Uh, the person you marry is not the person you divorce. And I think that that's something that people need to understand when they get married. That, you know, just ground yourself in the fact that your marriage more than likely will end in a divorce. And not a death do you part. Because that's, that's just kind of the nature of the... I think that's just like the nature of that system. And I don't know if like monogamy is like a thing, like a real, like a real, real thing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But the person you marry is not the person you divorce. Um, but at the same time, and my divorce has been really hard. You know, I'm writing a book. I'll put all the details in that later. Um, but uh, um, <laughs> it's been very hard, very, very hard emotionally, spiritually, physically. It's been really hard. But I still really believe in love. You know, and I still believe in marriage. You know, and so I think that there are red flags that I saw early. 
and I was still in this, oh, I'm going to save her, I'm going to fix her, I'm going to do these things. Um, and I, you can't do that for nobody. You know, so I think that's something that I learned that I'm, that I'm not going to take that kind of mind frame into um, my next marriage. Um, I felt like I could like make her happy make her be something that she wasn't ready to be and that's the thing like people you have you know your fully developed self has to cleave to another fully developed self right or if you're not like fully developed at least be able to be vulnerable enough with each other and say this is my baggage this is what this shit looks like and i'm dragging this shit with me and you need to be able to tell me this is my baggage dragging this shit on with me we gonna we are, are we gonna unpack this together or not so i think what i've learned is that when it comes to marriage and long-term relationship, you just absolutely have to be 100% honest with each other, even when it hurts, you know, even when it, you know, when it's embarrassing, you got to do it. You got to do it if you say that you want to be with somebody forever. And I think that those are the place of hiccups that I, that I had in my relationship and my, in my marriage and in past relationships. And, you know, like I said earlier, I'm really all about Mistakes being life lessons um, and not places that I go to to feel like shame or regret or shoulda, woulda, coulda, shoulda, woulda, coulda is fools. You know, it's like this would happen. How, what can I learn and be better? So I think that's the thing. Look, know those red flags and bring all your shit with you and be vulnerable about it. And if the person that you want to be with, if they are ready to take care of you in, in your tough times, then do that. And if they're not, then don't. So that's the thing. I think that's another thing. What really makes a relationship is the hard times. It's not when everybody's looking good and smelling good and making money and everybody in love and the sex is good and every, you got a good rhythm. What is left of your relationship when everything goes to shit? When you ain't got no fucking money? When y'all don't necessarily like each other? When you got all this other shit, you got stresses in the world and your families are fucked up? You know, what is, what's there? And if you can get through that, if you can still choose each other and find each other when those hard times happen, y'all gonna be okay. She'll be just fine. That's how I learned. Hmm. Yeah. Why are you looking like that, Savoy? <laughs> I'll keep my comments to myself. But in the words of Rihanna, F love. <laughs> in the words of Rihanna from her infamous 2020 interview with Diane Sawyer, F love. No joking. <laughs> Um, no, I like the idea of choosing someone every day. That's one thing that me and my um, one of my best friends, Edwin, we discuss the idea of like choosing someone every day. Um, yeah, right now I'm just working on choosing myself. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's but that's the first step, though. Really, yeah. it's like you, like get into you first. You gotta like be all about you before you can expect anybody else to do it. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a good thing. The show. I'm diving into the vulnerability part of it all because I think that's I think that's what's really hard for me is being vulnerable enough to allow another person to see me and for me to see them. And I think a lot of times I'm just like, nah, you don't need to get you don't need to get all of me or and I don't know, I don't necessarily know if a person should get all of you maybe but i'm i guess like what i want to do in future relationships is make sure that like i am all in and not like giving 50 percent and then seeing if like he'll give me 100 percent, and then maybe i'll give him 75 after i've trusted him enough i don't know it's hard i don't know yeah i, yeah, I think it's a hard place that's to real go. fucking talk <laughs> oh yeah that's fucking real you gotta like navigate negotiate and like strategize around that shit. the relationship is 100 100 i'll put it 100 
you're gonna put in a hundred. Like I think that that's that that's what it's supposed to look like. And I also think like there's a there's a tier with relationships. It's you, me, and it's us. And not one of those things can come before the other. And we gotta make space for all these things. Sometimes it's just gonna be about me. Sometimes it's gonna be just about you. Sometimes it's gonna be just about us. All of those things are really valuable. And how can we navigate those spaces? How can we keep it even so that these three things, this trifecta, can really work as a cohesive unit? And that's where I think people get kind of tripped up at. No. no, I was watching Mary at first sight, which I just I thought, love that show. Which season did you watch? I'm watching the new season. Dang, with, I can't watch. The, I haven't watched the newest season. Oh, girl, get into so there's Amani and Woodrow, aka his real name, right? Yes, <laughs> so it's Amani and Woodrow, and then I think it's Karen and Miles. Mm-hmm. First of all, I am going to, I want to be very clear. I am going to be crushed if Amani and Woodrow do not work out. I'm going to be crushed. <laughs> I've, I already only have like a half an inch or a quarter of an inch left of a belief in love. So if <laughs> Amani and Woodrow do not work out, it's done. It's a wrap. Did I'm you going... Did you watch the, any other seasons? No, because this is literally I like, um, like. The guy that I was talking to, yeah, watched. I watched so, it with him. So I started watching Married with First Sight too. And what season is this? Eight. This is or, eleven. Eleven or I don't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Eleven. So I watched uh, the season before eleven, and then I also watched the season. So I watched nine and ten, and so nine is really good and wholesome, and made me believe in love. Okay. And, and made me say fuck love this isn't worth it okay like, <laughs> okay so i'm excited I w- i'm really excited to see 11. okay so i'm gonna stick with 11. um i'm just gonna stick with that i found two black couples that I, one i can kind of believe in one i i have to believe in um but nonetheless the one the, the other couple miles his dad was saying a relationship is about deposits and withdrawals make sure that you make more deposits than you make withdrawals and yeah. i thought that was like i thought that was like such a easy ass concept but i really was like yes and I, these niggas don't deposit shit they just <laughs> They just be hey, this withdrawing like a motherfucker. <laughs> or they come in here with coins. Like, what the fuck I'm supposed to do with your with the coins that you've been saving since you was five? Like, what the fuck is that? That's only <laughs> what? You've been saving this for 20 years and all you got is fucking $300. So I'm supposed to do I need somebody with a weekly paycheck. Dang, so boy. I'm just saying, that's what they've been given. I've been coming here with a weekly paycheck. Now let me be clear. I'm f- a f- I'm a fool for coming here with this weekly paycheck <laughs> when you only come in here with your saved coins. But nonetheless, I I want somebody who I want somebody I want moving forward. I want a nigga with direct deposit. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean the bar is in hell. God the damn. bar is in hell. <laughs> I want a nigga with direct deposit. Emotional direct deposit, okay? <laughs> Emotional direct deposit. Let me write that shit down. <laughs> so when a nigga write, so for moving forward, when a nigga asks me what I want, I'm gonna be like, nigga, I want emotional direct deposit. It come every Thursday. Uh, every it come every motherfucking Thursday. You don't even know sometimes what time is coming, but you know it's coming in Thursday night. Sometimes and on holidays, it may come on Wednesdays. <laughs> Lord Jesus. <laughs> um, 
What's another question we get? What's your go-to porn category? Uh, let's see. So I have a few. Um, I like a good compilation. Mm-hmm. You know, so just give me some new shit. So uh, I like a good like riding compilation, but not like a reverse cowgirl. I like when she's facing forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the female orgasm compilations. So I like to watch a woman come. I like it when it's real, like not when it's fake. Like I like to actually like woman. I like porn when a woman is really enjoying herself. Yeah. I don't like it when she's performing or she's being hurt. That shit, I don't necessarily like that. I don't like that shit at all. I like it when she's actually like into it. And I like some gay porn too. And I like some gay porn because oftentimes they, they be into it. Like they are like, I love this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I do watch a little gay porn too as well. So I think it's probably a gay like, porn star. No, I don't have I don't know their names. Okay. I don't know their names. But I like I watch a lot of amateur though. The gay porn sometimes I watch some amateur porn. You like the amateurs? I so I've moved from from amateur to just home videos. Uh, <laughs> I've moved from amateur to this home video. So now I've realized, I'm just being honest. Um, so now when I'm talking to men, I ask them like, hey, do you have videos of you fucking somebody? And they'll oh, be like, wait. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, do you have videos of you fucking? And like a lot of dudes will be like shocked, but I've been doing this for like a, about two years now. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, do you really want to see that? Like, and I'm like, yes, please. Please. Do they do? Do you find that they a lot of times they have videos? Yes. Okay, man. God bless. <laughs> and and they and some of them be really good, like top quality. So <laughs> and I so the reason why I like it is a I get to see what you're working with, right? Uh, what your stroke game is like, right? Um. Yeah. Also, it tells it legitimately tells me a lot. So, what has been for me has been probably the most shocking thing is so many of them don't feature um, protection. So, oh. and like I've been like, oh, <laughs> so like I got a few from like this one dude, and none of them feature. And I'm you know I'm not judging. Everybody has their different ideas of where protection. I just know that for me, based on these videos, for me personally, um, for me, unprotected sex is a relationship. Right. In a relationship. And it seems like based on what you've been doing, y'all just fucking with outcomes regularly. And that's fine. I just know just know that we gonna be having kind of sex over here if we have sex. But yeah, I, I like on videos. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, I haven't made a video, but like, I would make a video with like my partner. I hope he wouldn't be sending, like, if we're not together no more, I hope he ain't sending it to nobody. But they, they are, uh, but they have, yes, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but maybe is it is it a situation where they're in a relationship with someone in a prior relationship and they were not using protection and they also did a video? Is it something like that? Sometimes it is. Like, what I've found is, um, what I have found is generally nobody's face is in any of these. Um, okay. So, it's usually faceless. Um, <laughs> like, I know who the one person is because he sent it. Um, but Wait, no, but how do you... Because you have you seen this dick before or something or like I can usually tell by like body like is the dis- distinguishing body trait <laughs> or something. Um, so um, 
Yeah, usually it's usually they do not feature someone's face or they the no faces are shown. Um, and then I've gotten one or two where there's actually a face in there, but that was usually somebody that they were with or you know, yeah, somebody who don't care. Because I I've met dudes that literally been like, I've seen you videos with somebody else's face. They don't care. And I'm just like, oh, okay. I don't want you sending a video of me and you with my face in it, but I also want to let nobody take a video of me with their face on their phone. Yeah. That's how I said that. Yeah, you can do it on my phone, for sure. I actually did my first one on my phone. You did? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I really... Is it like a football play, like play-by-play? Are you like looking at it, like, you know, looking, seeing how you can do better next time or? No, I think for me, what the main takeaway that I took away is that I really do suck a good dick. Um, (laughs) So I like, it was something I always knew. But after watching the video, I was like, I really suck. I'm really good at this. Like, I am really like, you know what? Like, sometimes you ask yourself, like, Niggas be niggas lie. I know I've lied. You know I've had niggas that I've definitely ooed an eye for and was horrible. So watching the video, I was like, you know what? I really do suck a mean dick. Based on what I've seen throughout my years. Yeah. Sucking. So I think I'm up there with like the Janet Jackmans and you know those girls. Shout out. Shout Janet out. Jackman, a queen. Mm. A porn queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's the next question, Savoy? <laughs> what is... <laughs> How has your sex life changed since becoming a father, T? Has my sex life changed since becoming a father? Yes. Yes. If any. Um, when, you know, when my, when my ex-wife was pregnant, we really didn't have, I probably went like a year without sex. So it was less sex. It was less sex. And then when she was born, um, we would have to try to, um, schedule sex, mm. you know, and there was a time I had to wait for her body to heal. Cause you know, it's a lot of trauma. It's happening mm. down there to give birth to a child. So we had to wait for that. And then for her libido to get back, but then we were already kind of rocky. So that kind of got... That's a whole long thing. Um, <laughs> but it really, it really has it. It really has it. Not really. And particularly, I think, because I don't have my daughter full time. Like, I'm, I'm working on getting her for, like, the summers and, you know, and for certain holidays and things like that. So, right now, it really hasn't had an effect. I know that my friends with kids are always saying that the, the whole idea of scheduling or the reverse of, like, we do it whenever we can. <laughs> like, like. Oh, the kids asleep for two hours. Let's do it now. Let's go do this real quick. We're we gonna do it real quick. It's a lot of quickies. I feel like as parents, from what I understand, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not how sure of how I feel about, but I also don't know how I feel about kids. Um, so there. Have you ever seen <laughs> the guy with kids, Savoy? No. No. When I was I in my early twenties, I dated a dude with a child, and he also had her full time. And so we would have sex, but it always felt like we had to like creep. Like we literally would have to like sneak and have sex. <laughs> so much so that like our we it was a joke, but like the song that we would say was like "Creep" by TLC because we mm-hmm. literally would be like, "We're doing something bad right now," because like 
her room was the next door over. I know, it was very sad. Mm. I was 22. Shout out to all the kids who had to hear their parents have sex. Traumatizing. I've never done that, but... No, you. it wasn't that you had to because they room with a night next door. <laughs> it wasn't a personal choice. It was just like, well, I'm here. Oh, thank the Lord. Good job. The trailer part. <laughs> um, what is one thing or rule you would tell other black trans men about dating? Um, other black trans men, I would tell them, if you, particularly if you are a black trans man who is dating cisgender women, um to not try to change yourself for them at all you know so either this is i'm trans man this is this is who i am this is how i am in my body this is my body but you with it or you're not like you either you either with me or you're not and try not to create your masculine to look some form of heterosexuality to make her feel better about herself or if you're dating a woman who's a lesbian allow her to keep outing you to everybody or expecting you to be a certain way or for you to function sexual sexually in a certain way because she's a lesbian um really just stand to your ground and when you're meeting women just you know tell them sooner than later you know for me I mean, anytime i meet women uh, i typically meet women in community but i've dated uh, quite a few straight girls um and i let them know about like third date you know a second conversation like i'm trans you get it and not and then if just get like give them a choice and give me a choice i don't want to waste my time and i don't want to be playing like teacher with you either and i don't want to be fetishized either so let's figure out if we're on the same level and then move on so so tell them early and don't try to shift how your masculinity or your sex looks like for any person how are cisgender women um asking trans men to like change like what i mean you know, I've been with I've, I've been with cis women who are just uh, who've been really um, nervous about people finding out that I'm trans, mm-hmm. and then me, I, and because I know I've been in queer communities since I was 14 years old, so sometimes how I show up can be very gay. You know, I'd be very, girl, I could do all of that. I'm very that, very that, but I'm not a gay man. But I, I can do that, and I've had women feel uncomfortable with that. It's made me feel uncomfortable with it. But like, go fuck that. That's this is who I am. This is how I show up. Like I know how to code switch. So there be you know the places where I can turn turn it down. I can turn it up. But you ain't about to have me turn it off. You know that's one thing that I'm not gonna do. You know. So I've, I've for me I've had that situation. Oof. Okay. I don't. We gotta do better, y'all. Cis women, we gotta do better. <laughs> we just have to do better. But <laughs> we can't be doing this. So like our trans brothers and sisters, we can't be doing this. We can't. This is wrong. Okay. All right. The trailer park. It is the trailer park. Really honestly. Please. Um Okay, la- last <laughs> thought question. When's the last time you've been a fuck boy? When was the last time I was a fuck boy? Um, maybe back in like, I mean, you know, I had a um, hot trans nigga summer last summer. Yeah. I was doing a lot last summer in New York City. Sotting and bopping, let me tell you. That was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> um, maybe like years ago, maybe like 2013. You know, I was married for five years. So, and I got married in 2014. So I think the year before that, I just got out of a four-year relationship. I'm a serial monogamous. I was just in a three-year relationship. And I was in single for a year, and I was just, I was just running through these girls. Just, it was great. I had a great time. 
<laughs> it was great. <laughs> the smile on your face lets us know that genuinely, genuinely, you feel you feel this way. It was a great time. So yeah, so it's been a while. Okay. All right. All right. So we are done. Now we're gonna go into bird confessions. These are okay. rapid fire questions. So just give us the your initial answer. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of bird are you? Pigeon, dove, eagle, flamingo, ostrich, penguin, or peacock? I'm a peacock. Okay. All right. Come on. A real classy bird. Um, classy. What were your? Because <laughs> peacock is like the upper echelon. That's the Whitley Gilbert of of, of birds. Okay. Yeah. Um, what will be your stripper name? What will your stripper name be, and what would be your go-to song? I think my stripper name would be Sweetback, and <laughs> I think my go-to song would be. <laughs> Remember that sweet sweetback's badass song? Y'all might be too young to remember that. So my super name I think would be Sweetback. And I think my stripper song would be um Um Time Today by BJ the Chicago Kid. You ever hear that song? Yes, I'm BJ the Chicago Kid's publicist. So yes, I have heard. Oh, are you? Okay. <laughs> yeah. That one with the, the the remix with um Ari with Ari Lennox. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody get fucked tonight. <laughs> Somebody's getting sex. Oh, wow. Well, I am glad that someone is fucking to my clients. That makes me... um, That's my shit. um, You are featured on an episode of Maury. What is the show topic for the day? Is he the baby's father? I slept with my best friend's boyfriend, unruly teenager, or I scammed my ex out of thousands of dollars. Oh, probably is he the baby's father. I've been such a slut in my life. <laughs> and probably some poor girl that maybe I forgot to tell I was trans and dicked her down and she pregnant. She digs me and it's like, baby, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not me. I promise. Uh, I'm so fucking done. I promise. The name of your sex tape would be. <laughs> Oh, wait, hold on. Okay, my name, my sex day. I asked my friend earlier, and she gave me some suggestions. Okay, come on, suggestions. Uh, I said, okay, what am I trying to do? She said, uh, lip service. Okay. Thinker and do her. Ooh. Thinker. Um, oh, okay. I like that. Thinker, thinker and do her, right? Yeah. Um, I like those two. The other one was all night long, the legend, the legend of TikTok. I don't really know. But I think lip service or thinker and, and do her. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. That's oh, a good. Think her and do her is a good series title too. You can, ain't it? Ain't it? Mm-hmm. And think then, her and do her too. The legend of <laughs> uh, like yeah, the legend of something. And then I came up with don't knock it till you try it. Colon trans dick. Okay, it's a good time over here. You know, oh, it's a good time. <laughs> it's a good time over here. You know. Trans men do it better. 2020 edition. <laughs> we do. Well, look. I'm, I'm open. I feel like we're open, yes. Very open. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This is true. <laughs> no, I'm very open. Look, at this at this point, I, I've tried everything, so I might as well. Might as well. It, it, look, look, you know, it's only right. Um, what city of love and hip-hop would you rather be on? Miami, New York, Atlanta, or Hollywood? Oh, New York. I'm a New York boy. Through and through. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know you do not 
date man, but one, but this is the question we always ask. Your dream trade will only can only possess one main attribute: a grill, a nice car, a neck tattoo, a regular weed habit. Um, a regular rehab it would be great. Somebody I, can, <laughs> somebody I can indulge with on a regular basis. Look, look, look. I need your car, your girls, your stupid neck tattoo. <laughs> I like a good neck tattoo. Um, <laughs> that's just me. Um, would you rather have her spit in your mouth or your or on your <laughs> your face? With... <laughs> no, don't spit on me. Don't really? Spit. I don't Not like at all? Spit. I don't like spitting. When I watch the porn, they start spitting on each other. You talk about a boner killer. I can't even... Ugh. I don't like but, So you don't like to spit on others either? Don't. Don't. I Don't spit on me. I'm not going to spit on you. You're not going to spit on me. We're not spitting on each other. Airing each other's mouths. Okay, T. No. I'm telling you though, I know since but since you are a part of the ass eating club, I'm uh, I'm gonna tell you that a good spit, a good just a good old in the butt does it all the time. I know you don't do it, but I'm telling you, if you do it, spit in that butt, she gonna come. She next time I do ass, next time you yeah. If she anything like me, just or me, yeah, you got. You gotta, get, you gotta come from the, the back of that throat. Make sure. So for me, not the back of the throat, but you can <laughs> you can spit. <laughs> no, widen the cheeks. Spit. Yeah. A little something. And you gotta make sure you widen the cheeks too. Don't you gotta get in there. Yeah. I have some, don't and don't do no don't do no whisper spit either. Oh, okay. Now no corny little poo. <laughs> no, yeah. Bitch, I'm gonna spit in your ass out. Yeah, like like yeah, like one of them backwood spits. Oh, okay, okay, I got you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna email y'all. Let y'all know. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're a bird. Long nails, a long weave, or long eyelashes. Long nails. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Your celebrity capsule collection would be with Fashion Nova or Pretty Little Things. Fashion Nova. Okay, a real, a real, a real buffalo bird. <laughs> um, most iconic thought of all time. Uh, Lil' Kim. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hands down. The only cancer, the only cancer queen I I recognize. Uh, what? There's yeah. so many cans. Um, Solange is a cancer queen. Okay, maybe, okay. maybe, that, maybe not the only one I recognize. Then who else? I feel like there's a lot of uh, cancer queens. Like I'm always like, oh, that's. I like cancers. Look up people. I like cancer women. I, at this point, I don't really think I like men in general. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it really doesn't matter what your sign: Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces, Aries, Taurus, Gemini. Like Cancer. Oh no! Like no, no, not oh no. Um, but that's just me. Um, all right, we are we are here this week. We are. What is so? It's, ha, wow, mess that up. All right. We are here. We are going to go to Zaddy of the Week. This is one man that we are crushing on the most right now. The one that we really wholeheartedly believe is the nigga for us this week. <laughs> for this week. Amber, who is your Zaddy of the Week? Um, 
I can, okay, the first person that I think of, this is so random. So, and I may destroy you, the gay dude. Yes, I love him. High top fade though. No, not like not like her friend. Her friend is oh, but the one who like is kind of like figuring it out, figuring who leaves yeah. the room and then yeah. get another nigga. Yeah. Uh, he could have come out with the motherfucking Kareem, but all of a sudden, I don't found. Yeah, I know. That was weird. I was triggered. Was I, was triggered. I was triggered. That was, that was weird. I didn't want to see what the person looked like because I really would have been triggered if if it would have been a white. Um, but <laughs> but he's cute. I think he's really he's cute. cute. He is really cute. He's cute. Teen Kuja Zaddy of the Week. What's Zaddy of the Week? I gotta pick a man? <laughs> you don't have to, actually. You ha- yeah, no. Actually, you don't have to. I, I don't really pay men a lot of attention. Um, <laughs> but it's so like, mad. You know, I've been trying. Maybe people tell me I need to be this. I'm so queer, but like be more queer. My desire, my sexuality, and I've, I've tried. Like, maybe I should sleep with a man and make out with a man or be up on it's one. Not, it's not I just don't. I just don't like ma- masculine masculineness on me, you know? Um, but I have a good, like, I'm really crushed out on Padma Lakshmi from Top Chef. Oh, okay. She, okay, we do, like... I like her. We do, like, Bad Bitch Hall of Fame, too. Fame. Yeah, so that can also be, you can also, you can pick another choice for your Bad Bitch Hall of Fame. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, who is my Zaddy of the Week? Um... I'm actually gonna go with. So I've been watching Umbrella Academy, mm-hmm. um, which is a very random show. I don't know. I know Amber, you're not watching. Teak, have you watched it? I've heard of it. I heard someone told me it was really boring, and I really like sci-fi like that. So I said I was gonna try it out. So it starts off a little. It starts off a little slow, but I've enjoyed it surprisingly. Um, but there's the, the the I don't know what his name is, but he plays Diego on the show, and. He could get these draws. He also throws knives. I don't know what it is. I think it's probably like the knife throwing thing. He got tattoos. I, I'm burnt. Um, his name is David Castaneda. What's his name? David Castaneda. I'm here for you. Okay. <laughs> the bus is phenomenal. Okay. Next is Bad Bitch Hall of Fame, which is one woman who we believe deserves her flowers. Can be your mama. It can be your girlfriend, whatever somebody crushing on. Just one bad bitch that you just really want to shout out and let all the bitches know that she's the baddest. All right, Amber, who is your bad bitch Hall of Fame entry? Okay, I have two. First okay. one is Flo Millie, like my mobile cousin. Like I love her so much. Shout out to her. I love her music. I just, I'm just excited to see a dark skinned rapper girl out here. I feel like we haven't had one in a while. But yes, Flo Millie, shout out to you. And then my second person is Megan the Stallion. Um, I I guess when this airs, but like yesterday she um, put out like a clip on IG um, kind of detailing the fact that she was like shot in both of her feet and like talking about how the loss of her, how she's still dealing with like the loss of her mother. And I just like want to just send her so much love and and know that like I support her and I'm always thinking of her and I hate that people have just like been making 
what she's been going through as a joke when it's not. She was a victim of violence. And um, I hope that she can be, like she heals not only physically, but also mentally and emotionally. Um, and that she has good people in her corner. So emphasis on good people in her corner. Yeah. Yeah. So, but she's always a bad, I mean, like Megan is, come on. She's the moment. So I love her. Shout out to her. Um, Teak, who's your bad bitch Hall of Fame? Um, I think I think I had two two. So one would be um I'm sorry, Michaela from um I May Destroy You. Yeah. Her face. I just I just want to be all in her face. Yeah. This is so just in that body. Oof. Mm-hmm. She's, so, she's so bad. So she's so her, lean. She's like, so lean. She looked like she can like literally crush up like an apple or something. Like she I, just looked real like strong. I like a I like a strong body. I like a woman with a strong back. You know, um, <laughs> I like her a lot. And um, I think my other one probably probably my my ex girlfriend Jody Patterson. Uh, but I still got a lot of love for her, even though it's my ex. But she's just so dope. She's beautiful. She has mm-hmm. great style. She's a great mom. She's super successful. Really good heart. Um, and I'm really impressed by how she moves in the world. So I love her so much, and she she's one of the baddest bitches I've ever met. Oh, come on, we like a, a relationship that you can still say that after. It's yeah, done. yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dream about one of those one day. That over here so much. Um, I'm more like that nigga. Um, Emphasis on all right. Um, mine is going to be Anne Marie. Um, okay. I know that that feels very random, but for me, when I think of summer, like most black folks, <laughs> I think of Why Don't We Fall in Love? I yeah. think of the All I Have album, which is my favorite album um, of all time. So, um, and I just think that like that album has literally. It, it it just really personifies love mm-hmm. for me, like from beginning, beginning to end, from like first seeing that person to literally being like, I love you, but this is all I have. So shout out to Emery for making a classic album and Rich Harrison as well, because they made magic together. Um, mm-hmm. So, and then Zaya Wade. Um, Come on. You know, so I, you know, y'all, this video recently came out of them, you know, enjoying a good Sunday. (laughs) And Zaire, her brother, you know, he has big brothers do. (laughs) As big brothers do, you know, he's doing these five cartwheels. He's thinking he's doing something. (laughs) I want to shout out the pettiness of both Dwayne and Gabby. Because they were also hyping him up. Like these were <laughs> phenomenal cartwheels. And these were very bent knee cartwheels. As somebody who did gymnastics for three years, I know a good cartwheel, I know a bad cartwheel. And these were bad cartwheels. But you can literally hear Dwayne and Gabby in the back saying, Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, after he's done, he walks up to Zaya and says, Please, I want you to do a cartwheel to a cartwheel into a backflip, to another car wheel, to another car wheel, to a backflip. So you can see in her eyes, she takes a moment to envision how she about to fuck this, like demolish him. Yep. She takes, she envisions it, it, it and then she literally goes into to Simone Biles, Dominique Doss, like <laughs> type of cartwheels to backflips. And then, and then 
Ooh, this. Go ahead. The motherfucking split with the hand up. It was like, split hey. with the hand up. <laughs> and once again, I want to shout out Dwayne and Gabby for being petty because all you hear during the whole time she is flipping, all you hear is them go, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. <laughs> like, you motherfuckers knew. This wasn't no new shit. Y'all put her in gymnastics classes. Y'all knew she could fucking flip like this. Y'all talk about, ooh, ah, like this is impressive. Y'all set Zaire up for this to fail. And that is what's, that is, that is peak petty. And I just want to be, and I aspire to be that type. If I ever have children, I aspire to one day set my child up demolished by their younger sibling. And it was beautiful. Don't do that to your kids. No, do it to your kids. They got to learn somehow. They got to learn. You got to know what you're going up against before you just be challenging people. That's right. Zaire been playing too much basketball. He thought he ain't been paying attention today. He didn't know that she was out here tumbling for the girl. And he got fucked the fuck up. He was so graceful too. Like did it so easily. Maya <laughs> did it like the way she did it was so like but it was the thinking before it. I think yeah. the thinking is what changed. Like the look at her face of pure like I'm about to demolish. Like it was like literally she was trying to decide like do I want to demolish him <laughs> like a little bit or like a lot. And I feel like there was a moment between before she went down to the split and that was when she decided, I'm going to do a lot. <laughs> so shout out to her. Okay. Shout out to her. Um, as always, we end this with good bussy vibes. This is one quote that spoke to me or whatever. Usually I see it on Instagram or Twitter because um, I'm a bird. Um, and that's where I get all my inspiration from. And it says, this is actually people said this all the time your trauma is not your fault but your healing is your responsibility once again your trauma is not your fault but your healing is your responsibility and i think in this time of reset and covid it's been very interesting because i think this keeps coming back up like the idea of like understanding like your trauma isn't your fault but like you really got to heal because that's that is your responsibility whether or not you want it to be because <laughs> i don't want it to be but it is but hey um, Teak, as always, we would like to thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. And being an amazing guest and giving us your time and being so forthcoming. Yes. Um, next time you come on the show, please have a peace story. Uh, <laughs> and a spit in your butt. In your butt story, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, we want, yes, yes, we want to update. <laughs> <laughs> Where, where can the Bussy High find you? Where would you know? What are what any projects you would like to discuss coming up? All that good um, stuff. What am I doing? I'm working on a bunch of stuff, but everybody can find me on Instagram at at the Mr. Milan M R M I L A N. I do a weekly um, little chat show called Just Checking on You on Thursdays at seven, where I talk to different people in my life, and I'm just checking on them, just having these conversations, these COVID conversations that I've been having. People, just how you doing? What's your life like? What you working on? How you coping? You know, so that's been really fun. So I'll be there, and then people can watch my stories, follow my shenanigans, or check me on Twitter. My handle right now is Jada's Detangler, but I'm going to change that. Um, <laughs> um, talking shit, um, you know, and insulting, you know, racists. So find me there. Um, 
as always, Bussy Hive, we would like to thank you. Um, we know this season has been a little all over the place, but hey, 2020. <laughs> um, so what you gonna do? Um, you know, I'm in tangle. I'm in entanglement with my mental health mainly. Um, <laughs> Understandable. Just look. Look. Just being honest. <laughs> yeah, just being honest. Um, shout out to Jada in August. Um, but nonetheless, we thank y'all for coming. Um, we literally have two more episodes left in the season. So um, we are going to be figuring those out very soon. Um, and, you know, thank y'all once again for coming. And Amber, you have any closing words? Uh, yeah, just wear a mask, y'all. Take coronavirus seriously. Um, that's really it. Just wear a mask, cover your nose and your mouth, please. Thanks. <laughs> the thanks. Just, <laughs> thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate you. <laughs> um, as always, Wussy High, we love you. Can remember, sit on a face, save a life, and bye. Bye.